DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Friday morning. It's a football Friday. Hey, we'll have some basketball too. Who are we kidding? But there's going to be a lot of football. Really big games. I just think the BYU-Boise State game huge. Can they beat the Broncos the third straight year? Are they going to have to do it with a third-string quarterback? And if so, how's that going to go? And the youth going to USC. Always a big game after the tragic events of two weeks ago. Who can predict how this is going to go? I don't know that I could have predicted it just based on the football alone. And now, obviously, there's a lot of emotion wrapped into it as well. All right, so let's get our football started. Let's do it with Tom Homo. He joined us earlier this week. Utah, or The BYU Athletic Director joined us to talk about the Utah Football Foundation and the work they do with high school kids and why that's important to Tom, but also a lot about the move to the Big 12. Tom says some interesting things as they think big picture and how to make the transition. Here's Tom Homo with PK and I. Tom, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? Well, we're good, but we're not as good as you. Zach Wilson gets his first win. The football team cracks the top ten. You're 5-0 and with two in-state wins and three wins over the Pac-12 South. 16-1 in the last 17. Tom, you got the world at your feet right now. <laughs> the question there. <laughs> Do you feel good? Do you enjoy it? Because I know you stress in the bad times. And... Anyone who knows you, when you're sitting there filming, asking fans for $20 million, there is stress. When you're scheduling games on the fly, there is stress. I wonder if you're enjoying the good times, because these well, are I, very good times. I mean, I know, I've known you two for 20 years, and uh, I think that the way we feel about it, I mean, everybody has their relative stress in their career, and I love what I do. Um, there are days that are stressful, but like right now, I think... Um, I, I think it was a great celebration. A lot of people had worked super hard over decades to make a lot of this stuff come true, and uh, we celebrated. Uh, and then we had to turn the page because we see what's facing us right now. So we have, uh, uh, we're right in the midst of a very strong and difficult schedule and <clears throat> situations that are presenting themselves with our football team. And uh, then the, the Big 12, there's a possibility two years from now came to true came to light and so we've i mean i really have tried to turn the page and get back to the day-to-day um enjoyment that i feel this is my bliss i love i love college athletics i love the day-to-day i love working with the individual athletes the teams and the coaches we have a coaches meeting in about uh half an hour and i'm fired up for it it's gonna be great so i i think we got to turn the page and move on to the next thing and We'll celebrate Big 12. Uh, well, we won't celebrate it again, but we'll be in the thick of things real quick. I know you know Chris Hill very well. I can remember talking to Chris. I can also remember you and I joking when you'd schedule these games that would be in the 2030s, and we'd laugh how the two of us would be wiping drool off our faces at that point. Uh, so we'll see what happens when we get there. But Chris Hill, I remember talking to him, and he was saying that when they went in the Pac-12, it felt like it was a revitalization for him personally on the job because he'd been in the Whack Mountain West for so long, and obviously you've been in the Mountain West independent so long, and now now going forward everything is going to be new and you're probably already doing to some of it degree right now do you feel in a sense of revitalization as far as you personally in your job with all the excitement that's going that's happening now and is going to happen in the next couple of years I, you know i don't really don't know if i would call it 
the revitalization, PK, because I, I feel that um, between the transfer portal and NIL and the, the, the Constitutional Convention in the NCAA right now, you better be on your feet every day. So I think I just wake up every morning and there's a new challenge there. Um, literally, things that have, are way more intense than they've ever been. Those are things that threaten the way that NCAA, call, I shouldn't say NCAA, college athletics has played. Those are factors that are super, super important right now. So we've marshaled all our forces here at BYU. Um, the, the Big 12 uh, joining that conference was part of the plan, and it's part of this uh, equation right now. So I, I don't really think I feel revitalized. I just feel like there's a lot going on, and it's all, all pretty good. Some of it's pretty bad. <laughs> Some of it's pretty good. So this is going to be really different when you get into the Big 12 for uh, just the amount of travel going to West Virginia and, and, and UCF. Uh, the financial level you'll have to compete at will be different. How do you prepare everyone for this? I mean, some things about BYU will always be the same, but some things are about to be very different. How do you, how do you prep the whole staff for that? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Chris Hill and I had a conversation over the weekend and uh, it just was by chance, and it was a really great conversation. But we need to continue. I think I could learn a few things from how that transition came and how they did that. Because, quite frankly, we haven't done that um, in a situation where we went. Well, we did it with the, the WCC, but it, it we didn't involve football. We had independence and then the conf, our teams going into the WCC. So... I think that it'll be something that we'll all have to learn how to do it. We'll have to figure out what's right. I've been talking with the athletic directors from the Big 12 kind of casually and informally, not and nothing formally yet. But those are things that will come up soon. And I, I think that Chris Hill, who's, uh, you know, I've, I've known for many, many years, he'll be able to help me on that. I don't know if safeguarding is the right phrase to use, Tom, but what are you doing now to make sure when that time comes that you hit the ground running? Because we know Utah had a couple losing seasons in football, and basketball really hasn't taken off. They took off a little bit, uh, but then they've they've slumped. To make sure that you're in the position that the athletic uh, department is basically humming along at the pace it needs to be because where much is given, much is going to be expected going forward. I think there's a couple ideas that are we're working on right now. I think the first and most important is personnel. We have to have the right people in the right places, whether it's in the athletic department or in the coaching staffs or in the you know, player personnel with all of our different teams. And we have two years of competition to be able to work through those issues with an eye on that. It reminds me, when I, when I went to the 49ers as a coach, in 1994, they had lost to the Dallas Cowboys for two consecutive years in the NFC Championships game. They were a really good team, but they could not get past that. And they brought in um, back Ray Rhodes as defensive coordinator. And we looked at personnel in the coaching staff in all of our individual players. And the focus of attention is how 
on, in the world are we going to beat Dallas? So if your left tackle can't beat uh, offensive tackle, cannot keep the defensive end from Dallas out of the backfield, we can't beat them. It was micro strategy. And and that's all we did. Everything, every single thing we did all day was not about the NFC West. It was about beating Dallas. And I, I love the focus. I was able to experience that. And we've done that on a few occasions here, where we have certain things that we have to overcome. Goliaths we got to beat, and it's hard. You have to focus all your attention on. It. There are some things that we're looking at. Right. The second would be strategy. Once you get the right personnel. Then there is there are some strategic things that we're going to do a little bit different. They're they're just different. It's because of the scope and scale of how things are, and we have to learn those because they're not like in a book somewhere where you can just go to a checklist of things to do. And then resources is the third. That's something where we have to really pay attention and be uh, you know reallocate our resources and be able to make sure that we do the right thing when we use this, these valuable um, funds that the donors and season ticket holders and corporate sponsors uh, entrust to us. That was a thorough and detailed answer, but in my scrambled brain, Tom, all I heard was Ray Rhodes brought in Deion Sanders. I can't wait to see how Deion's going to be used when he comes to Provo. Well, you, you, that's a very good point that you made. That was one <laughs> of the things that made a difference. And, you know, we it's we've got here – playing with certain personnel and the question is, and the, the point that we, we've already started talking about is you know, focus your attention the, the kids we I always believe that uh, BYU's core personnel are the student athletes high school kids from the state of Utah that are just true blue Cougar fans that from the time they grow up maybe they're legacy kids from uh their moms and dads being at the BYU, at BYU, and you have to have that core. We believe in that core. We've won with that core, but you have to complement it with uh, stronger and better players. So we're gonna. We, we've always had complementary players that aren't from the state that have helped us in immense ways, and so we're gonna have to do a better a, a better job. We've done a really good job, a good, better, best. We got to really pick up our. Um, focus and uh, evaluation and the ability to recruit kids to come in here and compete at the highest level. Football scheduling obviously has been so paramount for you this last decade, and now uh, it, it's going to be in a different manner in terms of how you're going to figure out which games you're going to keep with the non-conference and whether they go nine or, or eight or nine or whatever it might be, conference games. I don't know that you know the answer to that. But what's going to be the criteria? You already announced the Notre Dame game, which obviously is a no-brainer as far as what you do to decide which teams you're still going to be able to schedule in the non-conference. Well, the first thing we do is we look at our contracts, and, and we have many varying and widely different contracts with different teams. Those were contracts that took a long time to put together and schedules that took a long time to get together, and now some of those will have to unwind. So we're in the process of that right now, looking at each individual year and the games that will fit into the schedule of a Big 12, which we don't know yet. You asked that question, and it's not known yet. Nobody, right. they, they haven't determined that. But we'll, we're in that process right now. So you you look out and pick a year, and you see that, obviously, in the past, we had to find games 
in September, October, and November. Now you're probably going to have to find most of your games in September, and maybe we'll find out there may be availability for games later in the uh, schedule, later in the year in football fall. So those are things that we're working through at this point in time. The answers are coming. They're not all there yet, but we're at it every day. You probably get asked all the time about how you're going to prioritize in-state games with Utah and Utah State. I can save you some time at golf courses and grocery stores. If, if you have an answer now, you could get it out there and get people off your back. Yeah, I don't think the answer is there right now, but I think everybody has figured it out that there are possibly three or four games in given years. And you look at the contract years and where they're at, and where, they, where you can be, can they move? I mean, that's one of the things that is a, a difficulty is right now, would those schools be able to move? And if you were to look at our schedule as an independent, we had a lot of flexibility because we were independent and we could move around. We didn't have conference rules about that. So you would see BYU moving games around like maybe six months in, pre, in, in advance of a season, which is unheard of. We just had flexibility to do that, and we figured it out working with ESPN and Dave Brown. But now um, you won't have as much flexibility playing within a conference. So all of those things will work themselves out in the very near future. What is your bowl situation for this season, and how could it change if the team continues as it is? We are um, contracted to play in the Independence Bowl. Um, unless we were to be invited to a, a New Year's Day, New Year's Six Bowl, or or uh, you know, something like that, so okay. that's that's a that will happen based on how we continue on with this season. Tom, you're taking a little time out to talk with us because you know you got a lot of BYU fans listening, and they crave answers on all these questions. But it's also National Football Foundation, the golf tournament here. you got a lot on your plate. Why do you set aside a time for the National Football Foundation? What do you find valuable about your association with these folks? Well, it really starts back in when I was in high school, living in the San Gabriel Valley down in Southern California. And I was selected to that National Football Foundation scholar-athlete team. There's chapters all over the country. And what they do is they, they choose... Um, uh, in the state of Utah, we pick about 11 or 12 players every year, and it's based on their, their leadership, their scholarship, and their athletic ability. you gotta, you got to be all state in order to be on that team. And I remember how I felt when I was um, selected to that team. I had put in a ton of work, and uh, our team had had success, and I was selected to one of those teams. And when I came to Utah and saw that they had that, it was something that I felt was really important. Uh, the state of Utah, the football in the state of Utah right now for high school is very, very good. And I think that the college football teams have benefited from it tremendously. So part of it is just doing service for the high schools and, and for these young men who really deserve a chance at recognition. And then the second part is that I think it builds football in the state of Utah for the colleges. And I think it builds it across the country. The National Football Foundation is an organization that honors the Hall of Fame also for college football. And BYU has um, a number. I think we have eight um, collegiate Hall of Fame uh, coaches and players. And it's a great organization that, that really focuses on amateur football, which has blessed the lives of so many of us. And so 
I'm in. I can do this. It's a little bit of time, but it's worth it. Tom, we appreciate a little bit of your time. We could keep you the rest of the hour, but we know you got stuff to do. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Get out there and have a good game out there today. There's BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. When we come back, the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz Craig Bowlerjack. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz have played two of their four preseason games, two on the road. They'll be home for two next week. Uh, after the Wednesday night game, in Dallas, we had Bowler on. There'll be a few references to last night's game. That's what he's referencing. Uh, we had him on late in the show yesterday. We wanted to get him in here for you early risers who are wondering, how good is Butler? And where do the Jazz really stack up in the West? Here's Bowler with PK and I. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ PK, how are you? Good. I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm doing good, PK. You know, every time I hear the Tom Petty song, you know, I don't care if it's on radio or coming into the radio show. I just think of you. I don't know why now every time I hear a Tom Petty song, I think of P.K. Patrick Kinahan. Because I won't back down. You won't back down. <laughs> Crazy. Tom Petty. In fact, uh, his de- anniversary of his death is coming up. Died October 20th. No, really? October, October, wow. so he was born October 20th in Gainesville, and he died October 2nd, 2017. Four years Yep. Bowler, you are in Texas for a couple of exhibition games. We've seen very little of the starters. Seen very little of the subs we've come to know, the guys who come off the second unit and play big minutes. But we've seen a lot of the guys who maybe are the future, maybe are going to get let go. I assume these two games have been used to sort that out. Who might get plugged into the rotation if somebody gets hurt? Who we got to make sure we keep the right guy so we're not on the wrong, the Clippers end of the Joe Ingles uh, career moves? Oh, there's no, no, there's no doubt about that. I think you know, we'll see the, the core group began to you know, give back on the court on Monday night against New Orleans. And, of course, the Bucks will be the final preseason game on Wednesday night. Yeah, Donovan uh, was on the floor with Mike a bit in San Antonio. But uh, last night in Dallas, it was basically, as you said, uh, a group of young players that are trying to uh, formulate, uh, I think, in the minds of the coaches uh, that they can and should earn a spot on this roster. And there's a couple of guys that, can, that we continue to talk about just because – I've been impressed. I think everybody has with Jared Butler, you know, the uh, national champion out of out of Baylor, and you know, Trent Forrest and him are battling uh, for those minutes, uh, the true second unit minutes as a point guard uh, or as a two. But uh, boy, Jared Butler last night was impressive. Uh, I know it's preseason. I know you're playing against some, you know, this, uh, you know, as they call it, the the second and third tier players at times. But Dallas put. 
you know, Jason Kidd last night, that was their first game. So Dallas put, you know, a pretty heavy group of starters on the floor last night, Luca, Porzingis, and others. And I just thought did Jared Butler looked poised, uh, and I was very impressed. I know it's only game two of a preseason, but – yeah, he's got he's got a little something they call it it, and uh, I was pretty impressed with it. I'm wondering, as you just mentioned, you mentioned both positions, and basketball has morphed into more of a non traditional, clear cut roles. Uh, do you label him as a point guard, or he's just a modern version? Yeah, and he's a backcourt guy. You know, I think the Jazz, like every team that I talk to, they're always talking more PK, as you mentioned about positionless basketball. So. They just want to plug him in is probably the best way to put it. But, you know, obviously he's got guard skills. And, um, you know, whether it's the one or the two, I mean, he's 6'4". But, gosh, he just uh, has that. And so does Trent Forrest. Both are kind of gliders. Both are very confident with the ball. Both uh, do their thing at their own pace. And I, I sense just a ton of confidence. I mean, when we talked to Butler last week, uh, he made that very clear that, Look, he's won at every level. It wasn't a cocky conversation. It was just a, a young guy who believes uh, in, in what he can do. And I think you have to have that attitude to be able to make an NBA roster. Um, he's won in high school. He's won in college. And now he'd like to be able to, to win at the, the NBA level as well. Um, I was impressed with him just on our one-on-one conversations last week during the media day. Um you know, he took every question directly and, and talked about what he learned as a champion in, in the NCAA and the pressures that go with that and now making the transition to the NBA. So you're right. Everyone's been been talking about him. I'm curious if there are other people that have impressed that maybe haven't gotten uh, as much run, but nonetheless have made a positive impression on the coaching staff. Um, I think last night also who stood out, guys, was Elijah Hughes, um, you know, kind of a lanky, rangy guy that had some outside shooting abilities and rebounding and can run the floor. I thought he stood out, too, uh, in, in play last night. Uh, I don't know much about this other young kid uh, that was on the floor last night, uh, Fitz, uh, but he was able to, uh, I think, make a name for himself a little bit as well. So, you know, there's there's guys. I, I I just can't imagine the Jazz just can't keep their. You know, that people are standing out. Yeah, it was Malik Fitz out of St. Mary's. Yeah, I've seen um, him play in St. Mary's, and I love this game. Yeah, he, he he's a guy that we didn't see much of, and was a late sign. Uh, they they he, they picked him up not only just a week plus ago, and I I was impressed with his game too last night. So, you know, I I think Quinn made it clear to PK that. Um, you know, they want competition. Competition's good for a team that actually is, is loaded with the core players. But as you guys mentioned coming in, it's about one or two or three players that will help them in the postseason when they face small ball or just strengthen the bench overall. And there's, a, there's two or three players that I think are, are you know, vying for that. And it's hard, it's hard not to – not hard – I know it's one game last night for Fitz, but uh, again, he's another guy that jumped out. It's funny for me because you look at Quinn Snyder doing his thing. Uh, there's only been, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only been one rookie 
who's made an impact, and obviously it was a major impact in Mitchell. But even right. going back to, they were they weren't really true rookies, I guess you would call, in the sense of coming out of college in your first year in the league in terms of Ingles uh, and O'Neill. You know, they right. had been away and been overseas and then came, but it took them a little bit. So I, I get excited when I see a Butler because he does look like he's a player. And Fitz I watched in high, uh, college play extensively. In person I've seen him play. Uh, but it doesn't seem like, except for Mitchell, rookies are capable of having a big impact on a team that, and it's not unusual for Quinn Snyder. I'm not singling him out, but it's more about a team that's built to win now. Right, right. Now, this is why it could be one of the, you know, a terrific pick. Um, you know, there were concerns about Butler's health. That was taken care of with, uh, you know, three different doctors, one from the Jazz, one from Butler's side, and also from the NBA, and was cleared. Other teams, you know, backed away, but was uh, the Jazz took him at 40, kind of rolled the dice, and I think maybe they hit. You know, again, we'll wait and see. But I remember very well on draft night, guys, uh, you know, a lot of the you know, so-called experts <clears throat> felt like there were about three to four players uh, that were taken that were actually NBA ready. I mean, were, who could walk on the floor right now and impact the roster, and Butler's name was mentioned. Uh, so that's, that's quite a compliment, but it's, it's nothing until you get on the floor and back it up. And so far he's taken – he didn't play in the summer league. Uh, working on a contract uh, deal with the Jazz, but uh, so far he's turned heads, and I thought he's played poised, uh, confident, determined. Uh, he doesn't play like a rookie. I know that sounds like an overstatement, but for me, I you see guys who are nervous, even in their second year, but man, he's picked up the system. just seems like he belongs, and you can tell when a guy feels that way. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. You know, as a Buike can rebound, that is abundantly clear. 14 rebounds in 24 minutes is eye-popping. But so much is required now in the air, all these three-point shots and all that. Other parts of the game you think have progressed, other parts of the game that you think he's still got to work at. I mean, there isn't the pressure right now because Whiteside is there to pick up some Gobert minutes, but you never know how a season's going to unfold and when a guy might be needed. What do you think? Right, right. No, all good points, man. It was, uh, I, I think, again, he's behind a little bit because of the ankle injury last year. Almost lost a season, basically, and so he's kind of on a restart. Even though he jumped in late, late uh, in the season, uh, just what five months ago, but I, uh, you know, he's still an intriguing, you know, uh, player with the big body, as you said, in a, in a vacuum to rebound. And again, is he going to step outside, hit threes? No. Is he a low block guy? Possibly. Can he face a basket? I've seen it, uh, but it's just again, I think it's interesting talking about two different players. It seemed to be Jared Butler being a rookie, but everything he's been through. I think obviously molds the way that he plays and the way he responds to pressure as a bookie a little bit different there, still trying to find and understand what Quinn and how you roll. Uh, but he's to <laughs> make a great point. He's got the rebounding down. I mean, the body allows him to do that. And he seems like he's in really good position as well. I mean, the numbers prove that, but he seems comfortable in that regard. Still want to see more of his offensive game, which um, still hasn't, still hasn't popped out yet. You've been around Mitchell a little bit. 
Two years ago, we're done with the first round. He said it so adamantly, and they were mm-hmm. they were done with the first round. Uh, have you been able to gather any mood of him now? You know, we had a long talk with him at shoot around yesterday. Um, you know, that guy is amazing. I mean, he handles himself way beyond. I know this is another one that gets overused, but again, Donovan's in that special group of beyond his years. Uh, he always has been. Um, you know, he's thrust into a situation his rookie year, and, and that's where you get tested tested quickly. And um, he, he continues to, I think, what, I, what I'm impressed with is how the way he discusses his, his, his approach to the game, that a good player, a great player, has to change things up and has to work on different elements each and every offseason. And, you know, this year he, he was working on you know, knocking three down, you know, off the dribble. He's, you know, done the catch and shoot. Now he wants to be able to, you know, on a dribble, pull back three. Uh, obviously wants to stay healthy, trying to work on his speed. Uh, the guy just, you know, loves the game of basketball, studies it, but also is so hungry that he's not satisfied. And that's where you start to get the elite player. Uh, you know, look, Kobe was never satisfied. Michael Jordan was never satisfied. Dwayne Wade was never satisfied. They always pushed themselves and always worked on a different part of their game. He made a lot of talk about that at shoot around yesterday and what he was, you know, working on in a very short off season. But um, you know, hopefully the ankle's good. He says he's a hundred percent, and we just saw him a little bit. I mean, the whole team struggled with the three. They haven't hit many threes at all in this preseason. But uh, they're just working on different aspects, and I'm excited to see Monday and Wednesday as I think Quinn starts to put this group together and turn the corner to, to, to get ready for the pre uh, get ready for the regular season so the uh, general managers were surveyed anonymously and uh-huh. they picked the Lakers to come out of the West the Nets to win the title the Nets Lakers and Bucks were the only teams that got votes to win the title none of the other 27 did the Jazz were picked second in the West behind the Lakers and I'm curious if there was any acknowledgement or talk about that at all or what the uh, reaction was, or just as yeah, just another thing, it just floated away and nobody really talked about it. Yeah, not a whisper, not a whisper, DJ. You know, that's kind of typical. I don't know if they really want to hear that behind closed doors. Maybe a, a you know at the locker they they say something. Uh, I think they were excited. I, mean, I heard more buzz just the fact that the Jazz are the number one fan base in the NBA by GMs, right? I mean, that was kind of exciting as well. And I hope Jazz fans appreciate what others think of them when it comes to noise and the way that they, you know, support a, uh, a team. And it was well well noted, too. I mean, Jazz fan base, number one, pretty, pretty impressive. I don't know about those picks, though. I'm not sure how the Lakers hold together. PK, come on. I'm not sure how Westbrook and – but 10 games in – AD is going to put up with that or never touch the ball, LeBron, health, age. And then what about Kyrie in Brooklyn? I mean, you can, you can miss 41 games. I mean, it's coming down to, the, coming down to that where he won't be able to play on his home floor uh, because of his um, refusal to take uh, the COVID vaccination. So, man, there's a lot of stories that have already kind of popped before really the season's even, even started yet. But those are all things to watch because it's going to play a factor. Well, how about the philosophy of chasing the best record in the West, at least, because that's all they can do, and maybe in the NBA if that's what it ends up being. 
What do you think the Jazz are going to do as far as that? How much are they going to be all in for that? You know how you broke up at the the front end, all in on... The best record, regular season record. I'm wondering what's going to be their desire, you know, because it doesn't... Not that it doesn't mean anything, it just doesn't guarantee anything. It's very true. You know, a lot of teams, and I think as you get... We've seen a lot of older, you know, players get older and age. They they rest. They focus only on the on the postseason. I asked Clarkson that last week and on media day, and you know he was, gosh, man, he was so pride proudful, pride of the pride that the Jazz had in having and owning of the best record in the NBA. And he said, you know what, a lot of people say, ah, it doesn't matter because it does to me, because what it does is it prepares you for the postseason and you know just different players have a different perspective but for Clarkson you know he was very he was very excited that the Jazz owned it he said you know you can't live in what is but they knew they were good uh and obviously disappointed when the injuries popped and hit both Donovan and Michael you know Mike Conley but uh, he's that type of guy who says look we can't look back but he thought it was a good thing to prepare them for postseason play I I think if you ask the question to another player, they would say, well, it was a good thing. Uh, it was, it, you know, put us in a good position. But at the same time, did it wear them out? I don't know if those injuries were, you know, related to a 52-win season. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, you watch these guys on a daily basis. They take care of themselves. I mean, that's what part of this game is about is the body uh, and knowing and a little rest here and there. But, uh, you know, I thought last year was exciting, and it showed how dominant the Jazz can be. But also it showed their vulnerabilities, and that's what the Jazz tried to plug in and fix in the offseason. Bowler, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. We will talk to you again next week. A couple more preseason games coming up, and then it'll be the real deal. All right, guys. Thanks. PK, Tom Petty. All right, yeah, yeah. I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. Awesome. See you guys. There's Craig Bolderjack, TV voice of the Jazz. When we come back, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us next to sort out all the craziness in the AFC West, the NFC West, and certainly in the Pac-12. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner, Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. 
DJ PK, it's LK all day. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, since you've got uh, one foot in the college football world uh, at the Pac-12 Network, and you got one foot in the pro football world doing the Raider games, what is it about this side of the country, and what will be crazier when it's all said and done, the AFC West, the NFC West, or the Pac-12? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of all, depending on how you look at it. it Again, you know, we, we've been together for years now, and, and we talked about national recognition when it comes to college football and how the Pac-12 lacks respect. However, I think you guys agree with me in, in, in a sense where you it, it, you appreciate the competitiveness of the conference, the fact that they have to play nine games. Um, it really, you know, is a real round robin when it comes to divisional or conference play. So it's anyone's game. Uh, I think the South is up in the air. I think... Utah is good enough to beat SC if they can contain their sl- uh, contain their scoring and not turn over the ball as much as they did uh, at Wazoo, and that would be the first time what Utah's beaten SC in LA if possible if yes. that happens. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, just to, you know, name a few things there. But um, as far as the in the, the North is just involved, you might even see the Beavers pull it out the way as strong and consistent they looked last week when I did their game against Washington. But you know, when it comes to the pro game. You know, this is not necessarily unusual. I think parity is still a part of the NFL, as it always has been. It's going to show more so when you talk about those two particular divisions, because I believe that the NFC West and the AFC West are two divisions with capable enough teams to just beat up on each other. And they'll be lucky if they can split the divisional games. And it's highly unlikely anybody's going to go through it unscathed. Um, you know, right now the Broncos haven't played anybody in division, so even though they have their first loss, and the Chargers set up top taking care of the Raiders and the Chiefs, and you know potentially what the Chiefs can do. So they're not going to be down for long, or they'll try to figure out the form of the watch. So I, I think it's really some competitive divisions and some good football. It'll be good fodder to talk about. I was disappointed with the Raiders' performance on, on Monday, and we know they're not a good running team, but I thought, you know, they, they really just, I don't know if bottomed out is the right phrase. So my thought for you as an old offensive lineman, maybe a combination, multiple choice question, is it of lack of talent up front or in the backfield? Neither. What it is is a lack of cohesiveness and consistency. You have to remember, when it comes to the Raiders, uh, you know, a lot of people have been, including myself, have been critical of the lack of run game. But to be fair, you know, they came into the season expecting Denzel to be playing right guard, Richie Incognito to be playing left guard, and Andre James, who's, you know, a new starter, to, to be protected by two veteran players. Well, that's not the case. Matter of fact, they just signed Jermaine Illuminor to the starting right guard now at the end of, uh, at the end of training camp, preseason. So, you know, he's had only a little bit of time to get, uh, you know, into it and involved with the offense or know the offense as well as, say, uh, Denzel Good, who's been here for, uh, been with the Raiders for a couple of years. And, of course, then you have John Simpson on the other side, which is a developmental player that they've been working on since they drafted him out of Clemson. So there's inconsistencies in the front, mainly, and also the fact that you just drafted a rookie right tackle. So there, there's a learning curve for uh, rookies that come into this league, no matter what position you play. With that being said, you know, you quantify that by not having Jacobs for the last three weeks, and now you get him one game, and they made an effort to try to get him established. But I'm of the mindset that certain guys do things a lot, sometimes better than others. For example, Kenyon Drake is a different running back than Peyton Barber is a different running back than Josh Jacobs. And schematic-wise, I think it's up to Gruden and and Coach Cable, the run game uh, coach, to figure out 
when we have whichever number in the backfield, there are runs that are conducive to their strengths, and those are the ones that we have to call and get good at, rather than trying to throw every run at the same running back. It just doesn't work that way. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. Um, are they just going to evolve then? And how much as all these seasons get longer, should we really reserve judgment in September and early October because these seasons are long and teams are going to evolve? I would say going forward, because it's sort of been established over the past uh, eight, nine years, maybe maybe even the last decade, you can consider, that the real preseason is the first month of the season for football teams because they're really not doing much or, or trying to do much in the preseason. They just don't want to run the risk. So the real season, the, the real preseason or exhibition style comes from the first month of football. Now, it's a very dangerous game. If you start off in the hole 0-4, then you have to spend that much more time climbing out, obviously. But you really don't know who you will have until you play someone. And I've been critical of the Raiders the entire preseason because they didn't play anybody in the preseason. And then they, they say they're saving them for the first game. You come out after the first game, and you finally you beat Baltimore in overtime, but you have 17 guys on the injured reserve, injury, injury list the next day. You know, the post game and, and the Tuesday and Wednesday. So, you know, where are you without? Where are you? You lost two good players in Jeremy McCoy and Denzel Good. First game of the season. They're on IR done for the season. Richie Incognito is yet to play. And it's been, you know, they've, not, they've had him on IR now. So he can't quite come back to play for a couple of weeks. So, all that being said, where are you? Are you better now after not skipping preseason or not getting that type of conditioning? Or are you worse off because you're still trying to find your way? I know that's a mouthful, but the fact is that the Raiders are 3-1. and one. And if you would have come into the season looking at that first month of football and say you can be 3-1 after it, I know they would have taken it. Is Justin Herbert big time? Because he looks it to me, but I'm an untrained guy. <laughs> he is big time. You know, you think about the job that he did stepping in for Tyrod Taylor last year after the, the sort of medical mishap against the Chiefs and growing throughout the season. And I thought the Chargers record, the Chargers team was better than their actual record last year. They just mismanaged a lot of games. Uh, Herbert, if there's if there's one criticism, and it's, it was kind of seen in the, in the Monday night game, if there's one criticism or one thing that he needs to get better on, it's his touch on the long ball. Um, he doesn't really have, he really doesn't put an arc on the long ball. There were three missed throws that if he would have connected, would have just, you know, really put the Chargers over top, even more so than they were. Uh, but, you know, he still has to learn that touch on that long ball. And I think he'll get it. It'll come in time. But for the most part, he's got enough weapons behind him. There's sound offensive system. The fact that he can use his legs when it comes down to it, this is a, this is a very good football team in the Chargers. So this uh, chief defense has given up 31 points a game, which is a stunning and staggering number. Should I think they're going to evolve and this is just the preseason for them and Andy Reid and his staff will get that figured out, or this is going to be a major problem? I'm one of the minorities that believe in that there is a such thing as a, a Super Bowl hangover. Now, the Chiefs have gone to the last two Super Bowls having won one. And, and it's hard, as you guys know, it's, it's hardly been done in, in league history to go to three straight Super Bowls. With that being said, I think the Chiefs' number is up for this year. I think the teams and the parity have so much close of the gap to where it's not going to be even where they're just going to walk away with the division. There's going to be a challenge you know, for this division, uh, this division title, let alone in the playoffs. More importantly, there are a lot of teams that have gotten better. I mean, look at Buffalo. You know, you, we just talked about the Chargers, just to name a few. I, have to, I think the Raiders and the Chargers, it's going to come down to the final game of the regular season in January for the division title. That's 
kind of what I'm projecting, that the winner wins that and takes it off. So um, with that being said, I think the AFC has closed this gap a little bit. I still think the Chiefs are capable. Obviously, with those offensive weapons, you can't count them out. But more and more teams are becoming a build, are having the ability to score touchdowns rather than just settle for field goals. And that is what ultimately challenges the Chiefs. Their defense is porous. This defense has been, you know, not as great for many years now. But the fact is, is that people haven't always been able to score touchdowns. Now they can. And that's what's going to make the, the competition close the gap a little bit more on the Chiefs. As far as the Pac-12, particularly the South, maybe even the North, I'm not buying anybody, and at the same time, I'm not. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna rule out Arizona and Colorado, and even SC right. with two losses. Obviously, they can't afford another one, so they may have to win out, right. and that might be too difficult. But it's check with me Saturday night each week, and I'll give you my updated yeah. opinion. I don't know that I can make any declarations about whichever team at this point. Mm. No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think SC is not going to win out. I, as I said a moment ago, I think Utah has a great chance to, to get them if they can limit the mistakes and just play within themselves. Because I still think they have a tremendous formula for success. But, you know, UCLA has shown some improvement and shown times where if you can't stop the running game, then it can be a long night for you. Um, ASU is – I haven't seen ASU play a consistent game yet this season, and I don't know if they'll get it together. They do have some, you know, some power and potentially dangerous, but they have to play a consistent game. As far as the North, the North is in turmoil. I think Stanford has found a way to, to, to right the ship, even to see how they come back after their injuries. Oregon is still capable, but they need better play out of Brown, their quarterback. He's not reading his progressions, in my opinion, and, he, and I, I think that he's not necessarily uh, – comfortable with throwing down the field or trusting the receivers to throw down the field to really stretch that the opposing defenses. And they can only rely on the run game so much. Oregon State has a, has a favorable schedule now that they've beaten uh, SC and, and, uh, and they've beaten Washington. Washington is now still trying to figure out their coaching issues. But, you know, everything is really up in the air. And, and, and there's going to be teams that are going to beat, get a hold of them or, you know, get the best of them. No one could expect Wazoo would beat Cal at Cal, but it happens. Oregon State has won four in a row, and I know Hawaii and Idaho at home, they're supposed to win, but SC and Washington, I mean, how far are they going to stretch this out? Now, it's three of those four games are at home, and two, you know, they're highly favored in, so I don't want to get too crazy here, but it's fun to watch Cinderella win, and Oregon State qualifies as Cinderella. Those are big wins for Oregon State. You know, there's no way, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. The fact that they hadn't beaten Washington in what, I think it was 11 years, they conquered that. The fact that they hadn't beaten the SC in L.A. since 1960, I mean, they got over that. Those are big wins for the program, and it's it's a motivating factor that's going to take the program far. Look, their secondary is some guys, or some guys that are going to be playing in the National Football League on Sunday. Um, they've got some good players on that team, and they've got a good formula with their dual backs that if they can just remain consistent, one of the better offensive line coaches in all of college football, if they can just remain consistent and limit the amount of turnovers, that's a good football team, especially in the North. And I think they can challenge just about anybody. They've already proven that they have. They can challenge anybody. Uh, but I think they're capable of playing with everyone uh, on the rest of their schedule. So you've played at all levels at the highest level, and this Urban Meyer thing has been a big story here nationally. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Obviously, it's not a good look. But if they're 4-0... Is it not as bad a look? <laughs> so are we combining that stuff at the bar or restaurant the other night 
is and, and it's his personal life, and you know, obviously, I wouldn't condone it by any stretch. But nevertheless, he's not breaking any laws. And then we hear these guys. Well, he has no respect to the locker room and all. And I'm wondering, well, wait a second, these guys are 0 four. So, do we have respect for them? What do you just make of the whole situation as far as his ability to get what he wants accomplished done in Jacksonville? You know, to me, there are guys who are cut out for certain levels, and they're just good at what they do at that level. Nick Saban is a better college football coach than he was a pro coach. Same could be said in many ways about Harbaugh and Michigan. I think there are guys that, you know, they're kind of deemed like control freaks. Chip Kelly is another one. Control freaks need to have their way of controlling things, their surroundings, and their way. It's not the same when a college coach goes up to the next level. Because a lot of those veterans, you know, when you come into a locker room and you're just like, hey, guys, I want you to buy in. I want you to support me. I want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you to promised land. When it's all said and done, athletes on a professional level just want to win. They don't care who does it. They just want to win. There was so much hype coming into Trevor Lawrence. There was so much hype coming into Urban Meyer that you had a ton of people who were buying in excited. And to me, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't a bad football team. The last couple of years, they were just a quarterback away of really making an impact or making a statement, and, and especially in that division. And they are supposed to have their their dream quarterback, Sunshine, if you will, from a member of the Titans. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be that answer, and Urban Meyer was supposed to be that answer, and it hasn't turned out to be that way. And now you have this little, you know, off the field incident. And I say little because it is it is you know personal business. It shouldn't be blown out of proportion the way it has been. But the fact that you have a big name, you also have a big program that has an opening at SC, and everyone is speculating that Urban Meyer or someone like that 92 is going to go and take that job. When you see this sort of get out and kind of carry it, it creates an opinion. And it's not necessarily a favorable opinion when people are looking at him. So I don't know if he's lost the locker room. I've seen uh, I've seen bits and pieces of the Jaguars games that it's not that they you know haven't played hard at times. It's just they they've been out schemed and just been beaten, which happens. So um, they're not really sure how far this thing is going to run, but it's unfortunate nonetheless. And you would think you would think that someone who's been around and been around various big programs and had its fair share of scandals kind of follow him that he'd be more mindful, even though it was at his own club still be more mindful of the possibility uh, that, that we're trying to express to the younger generation to try to stay clear of and be mindful of when they're off the field. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, every week, DJ, PK, and LK. LK, we'll talk to you again there next week. Go. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. There's Lincoln Kennedy. He joins us every week. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Throw goes Enzo. Rock side. Caught by Tyler Higby. Touchdown, LA. 13 yards on a dot from Matthew Stafford. Back to pass. Flooded from the pocket. Rolling right. He throws. It picked off at the 35. Nick Scott takes it away. And the Rams will go home with their fourth win of the season. Hits it with the right foot. Kick on its way. It is good. Good to ice it. 47 yards for Matt Gay. 
And the Rams beat the Seahawks in an NFC West showdown 26-17. Low scoring start to that game, but they got it going late. Russell Wilson mangles a finger following through. They described it as badly sprained. Oh, those pictures made it look like it was dislocated. Was pretty sure that was dis- dis- <laughs> I dislocation. I think I could diagnose that from, uh, from over here. He left the game. Geno Smith came in, threw a late interception. You heard that there. Matthew Stafford, 365 yards passing and a touchdown and a pick. And the Rams get the victory. And there's uh, a Ram team that got humbled by Arizona, bounces back and beats Seattle. That ends a two-game win streak for Seattle. They dropped to two and three. Lost a couple, won a couple, lost again. It's a good division win for the Rams. You know, it's like a conference win in college, and they play these guys home and away. And so it's something that you always want to achieve because you're obviously you're getting a win and you're settling your potential team you're battling with to get to the postseason a loss. So you take it. I mean, I don't think the Rams were great, but they were plenty good enough. Stafford's an intriguing guy, you know, because if the Rams have big-time success – then I wonder how much quarterbacks will take heat for not winning, right? Because he's been good, but the Lions haven't won. Well, you say, well, the team isn't very good, obviously. The organization, And and so if he – I don't think he's better this year than he was last year, the year before, so forth and so on. He's got a better team around him and a better organization behind him. And so it's going to be interesting to see what he does because they look like a playoff team. I can't guarantee it. It's still too early. Things can happen, obviously, especially with injuries. Uh, but that could be one of the things that maybe we don't put as much emphasis on the quarterback, particularly if the Rams were to win it all. I can't rule them out. There's, a, but we were talking about this. You know, Arizona's undefeated. They're the one. Now you got all these one-loss teams. You got about a dozen of them, and a bunch of those one-loss teams have both beaten a one-loss team and lost to a one-loss team. And the Rams are right in the middle of that scrum. But they they are certainly intriguing. They got a ton of talent. And the core of this team was in the Super Bowl not that long ago. Now, if you swap yeah. out for a slightly better quarterback, make a few more big plays, that could be all the difference. All right, games this weekend. A lot of games to uh, get into, including the first London game of the year. So if you want a NFL quadruple header, you can wake up to Jets and Falcons. And Zach Wilson and the Jets get a second straight win. They're playing in London. That game will be on the air at 7.30 in the morning. Man, they start him early over in London. Well, <laughs> time zones help. Oh. NFL Network will have that game. Pacific time zone? No, I don't even know what it is. I don't know. Is it the England time zone? Is it the London oh, time you've zone? You've been to Europe. I haven't. I don't know what it is. I've never been to Europe. I've never been to Europe. You have. (laughs) I have. I've never been to Australia. You have. That's right. I've never flown on a private charter. You have. You see the differences here? Yep. Yeah. Basically, the haves and the have-nots. You've been to Cancun on the company. I haven't. Oh, no, because you You've been down. to Maui on the company. And you turned it down. I haven't. You turned it down. I couldn't I go was February sec- You still turned it down. <laughs> That's true. I was second string. Because of seniority. <laughs> yeah. We got hired at the same time. And they, they wanted DJ. They didn't want me. I faxed in my contract a couple days earlier. It's not true. I got seniority. No, it's not true. You faxed in it. <laughs> well, it was back in the day. I went ahead and I got all the stuff. I used the typewriter and I typed up my letter of acceptance. <laughs> nice. Did you use that little white strip to type over the letters you messed up? No. I took typing in college and so I'm very he good at typing. It. 
He aced it. And actually, to get in the broadcasting school at ASU, you had to type 40 words per minute. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten into the broadcasting no school at ASU. <laughs> so I, I, I crammed for it, you know, and I worked on it, skills worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. And I got 40 right on the dot. Ooh. Ooh. And I remember I took a, a jogging class, and you had to run a mile and a half. To get an A, you had to run a mile and a half in 12 minutes. So I timed it. I'm coming around that last bend at 11.30. No need to go under, you know, like 11 or 10 minutes. You don't get any extra for right, 11.40. Exactly. So I crossed the finish line at like 11.58. <laughs> Why did PK have a C-plus grade average in high school? Why was the GPA What do I need? You need a C to play ball. What do you need from me? So, hey, I'll get a C-plus. I have a little breathing room. There's not no a lot to, of breathing room. No need to overdo it. Other big games this weekend, Packers and Bengals. They're both 3-1. and one. Intriguing game right there. A couple of those 3-1 teams squaring off. Browns and Chargers, both 3-1. and one. They'll go head-to-head. And then you got the teams that are in trouble, man. Steelers are off to a 1-3 start. They're going to... They're just they're gonna get this going. They started eleven and zero last year, but and they only won one game to close the season. They've only won one game to open this season. They got the Bills in the opener. They've lost three in a row. They're hosting the Broncos, who are three and one. Plenty of good games Sunday night. The Chiefs two and two with a defense that has been <clears throat> porous, playing the Buffalo Bills, who you know can put points on the board. Coming off a forty point performance against Houston. That's the NBC Sunday night game. Baker Mayfield has been playing with a partially torn labrum in his left shoulder. It's a non-throwing shoulder. He tried to make a tackle against the Houston Texans. He's been Houston Texans, and he's been wearing a shoulder harness ever since. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. The Cougars. 5-0, do they make it to 6-0? Hosting Boise State, 1-30 on ABC. Pre-game show here on The Zone starts at 12-30 from JCW's The Burger Boys in Provo. Got one thing for the Cougar fans to look forward to? Yes. Oh, well, I got... Yeah. I'll, Hit them with one more. now. we got a shorter segment the, here. One uh, more later. The issue that uh, with BYU is... Uh, not, it's not an issue, but actually it's been very, very good. Uh, I, they firmly believe if they continue to take care of the ball, they'll win. They've been now, winning you, turnover battles. They've only had two. And one was an end of the half. And the other, they got the ball back. The offensive uh, issue, obviously, with the Algier play. Never even got out on the field. They've had zero fumbles. This has been an underreported story. Their ball security has just been incredible. Absolutely incredible. They've got to be one of the leaders in turnover margin. Yes, because it's always, not always, but it's been zero. That's really good. That's another thing for Algier to think about. Guy does not fumble. Now, I hope I don't jinx him here. <laughs> <laughs> but but if they, uh, no matter who the quarterback is, and Jaron Hall's not been ruled out, but no matter who it is, if they hold on to the ball and don't throw picks... They believe they have an excellent chance. Now, you can say that generally speaking, but we're speaking specifically here. But generally speaking, obviously, Kyle Winningham has just drilled that into our brains over uh, 15, 16 years, and it's the truth. So they've done an excellent job on that. Continue to do it, and they will continue to find success. They're plus nine in turnover margin, and that is tied for sixth in the nation. 
So that's good. Yeah, they're really good at keeping track of the ball. It's important. Right. We'll uh, we'll get more on this game coming up. 1.30 tomorrow and then 12.30 for the pregame show at JCW. You going to be at the Burger Boys, Yak? I will be there. Nice. Come on by, get a burger. Gordon Hudson, All-American tight end for BYU. College Football Hall of Famer died September 27th. He was only 59 years old. Played for the Cougars in the glory days from 1980 to 83. Was All-America as a junior and a senior. Well, I never saw him play, but I certainly have heard the name being down at BYU for many years over the times of practices and seeing pictures and stuff on that legacy hall. I understand he was a really good player. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. The Utes in L.A., they haven't won in the Coliseum. Can they do it? They're playing SC, 6 o'clock tomorrow night on Big Fox. Ute pregame show starts at 5 o'clock here on The Zone. Yes, they can do it. They've almost done it. They've come literally as close as you can with teams that weren't as good going against SC teams that were better. Of course they can. This USC team really up and down. Not a great SC defense. Is this team physical enough? That's the one thing Utah's been really good at over the years. It's been spotty this year. Thought the O-line was much better against Washington State. It was just lost because everybody's going nuts about how many times they lost the ball. But the holes were there. They were getting downfield. They were pushing Washington State around. The O-line gets it rolling here. They ought to be able to push USC around. And they're usually good when they're pushing teams around. Yeah, I don't know that I see pushing around. I just need them to hold their own. Six o'clock, Big Fox, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Fake handoff, looked. Oh, throws deep down the middle. He's got Isaiah Likely. This could be 99 yards. He's off to the races. To the 30, to the 20, 15, 10, 5, 99-yard touchdown for the shot of clears. You got a, you got a junior high kid announcing? <laughs> a little helium in the boot. <laughs> that was their first pass of the game. It was 99 yards for a TD. Quarterback rating of t- 1,251 after that. Coastal Carolina improved 6-0. They've won 17 of their last 18 games. They beat Arkansas State 52-20. to I think it's clear in one of those semifinals, Coastal and BYU faces the winner of Georgia-Alabama. Sweet. Draw it up. Make it happen. Uh-huh. I like it. Yeah. Oklahoma, Texas kicking off the uh, the big day of college football tomorrow. That's on ABC at 10 a.m., the Red River Rivalry. I'll turn it on. Always do. Other games that will intrigue you? Actually, big college football weekend starts tonight with a Pac-12 game. Stanford's playing Arizona State on ESPN, 8.30. Yeah, gosh, that is so late. I know. On a Friday night. 10.30 in the East is going to end at 2 a.m. On a Friday night. It's going to end at midnight here. Why not like 7? I believe earlier you were discussing something, because you want 7.30 on the West Coast, because that's the core audience, Um, because it's a doubleheader and you're following Temple Cincinnati. There's the answer. So we'll join it in progress. It'll it'll start on ESPN News or something. (laughs) Move over. For for about 10 to 15 minutes. I got to see. Oh, crap. Do I have ESPN News? Fifth-ranked Cincinnati's playing Temple at 5 o'clock. This goes back to your point. ESPN's doing doing what's best for ESPN. And they get seven hours of college football with fifth-ranked Cincinnati 
playing in the first game against Temple. It should be. It's only the high today in Phoenix is going to only be 90, which that's a break. At kickoff, it's going to be 84. Next week, not that I'm Dewey Hopper here, but next Tuesday, the high is going to be 70 in October? Yeah. That's record-breaking. Yeah, there's a a storm blowing through because we might have snow here that day. Try 40s here. Okay, I'm going to try 70 there. I'll talk to you guys after the show. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) I got I got to visit some family. <laughs> Other big games: Georgia and Auburn, one thirty on CBS. Is anybody going to take down Georgia? Auburn just had that good come from behind. I would say no. I would say no. I would. Their defense right. is just record breaking. That game is at one thirty, the same time that you, a lot of you will be watching the BYU game, obviously. And another good game at that time, two o'clock on Fox. Number three Iowa, number four Penn State. Big game in the Big Ten. Primetime, while the Utes are playing, Alabama should be uh, punishing Texas A&M. 6 o'clock on uh, CBS. That looked like a big game at one point, but A&M's had their issues. And Alabama appears to be a machine. So, expect they keep rolling. Texas A&M 3-2 now. Late night tomorrow, UCLA and Arizona. You can stay up for the end of that one. When the Bruins get a 17-point lead, you call it good. No. Arizona's not coming back. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> Your bias showing through. Well, I, I want to watch that game because the Utes play both of those teams. It's a light schedule. Four teams have buys this week, so you get the Stanford game tonight if you're a Pac-12 fan. Get the UCLA game tomorrow night. Obviously, you got the Utes. The only other game, Oregon State's at Washington State, Pac-12 Network at 2 o'clock. So, one more thing to channel surf into. And in the Big 12, obviously the big game is Oklahoma and Texas, and they will be gone. Screw them. For BYU. If I'm, if I'm the Big 12, I don't even put that in my release this week. <laughs> <laughs> Only two other games, West Virginia and Baylor. Baylor 4-1, and one, West Virginia 2-3. and three. That game's on FS1 at 10 a.m. And 2-2 two two TCU is at 4-1 and one, Texas Tech, 5 o'clock on ESPN. Texas Tech with oh, the... You were naming an Alabama quarterback there. To a, to a TCU. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering for a second, Mike, huh? Texas Tech had that massive loss to Texas, which was probably not good for Matt Wells' future employment plans. But then, had uh, gutted out the win against West Virginia, which was very good for his future employment plans. So, they're 4-1. and one. That's college football. Also, the Big 12 announced Thursday to allow member schools to decide the amount of education-related benefits athletes can receive in an academic year. The legal maximum amount per year in education benefits for an athlete under the ruling is $5,980. So the Big 12 Board of Directors set that amount as a benefit ceiling. But then you can just pay them after that, and I think it's taxable income. So, nah, details. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Eighteen former NBA players charged Thursday with pocketing two and a half million dollars illegally defrauding the league's health and welfare benefit plan in a scam benefit plan in a scam that authorities said involved claiming fictitious medical and dental expenses. The indictments of the scheme was carried out from 2017 to 2020, when the plan, funded primarily by NBA teams, received false claims totaling about 3.9 million dollars. Defendants got about 2.5 million. That's what uh, role players get at the end of the bench, 2.5. Well, yeah, I'm wondering, because I've always thought that 
don't cheat your company. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars, don't cheat your company for a hundred bucks. The risk is not good enough. Now, if you can cheat them for five hundred thousand, you know that's another story. <laughs> and you're then you're on to something. Making a little right, more worth yeah, it. yeah. So I don't know what they these guys were getting. Some of these guys have established guys: Tony Allen, Glenn, da- Big Baby Davis, guys that they mentioned anyway. I didn't see every uh, last name of the of the list, but they should have been making pretty good money. And I've never understood because I we've all heard of people getting in trouble ripping off the company. And I'm not talking about taking a pen or something, but. Why? I once had a, a, a guy accuse me of cheating on a hotel room. So for $85 or something, you think I'm going to cheat you? Yeah, it was actually uh, it was a funny story because he thought I had my, I, me in one hotel room and my family in another. And what he didn't realize is I went on a road trip with Gordon and Gordon wasn't much on paperwork so he says can you just put it on the same thing and I said yeah because it's all what's the difference so then he doesn't have to do the paperwork yeah and so he left me a scathing message <laughs> on my answering machine and then I knew I had him so I called back oh man I let him have it <laughs> I wanted blood on that well, dude, <laughs> on, think about it it was Gordon Right, right. He said doing the paperwork. Right. He made me put on my credit card, and then I'm getting reimbursed, and it's all a wash. And it was a company. company. It was a company credit card, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this indictment, they're saying that players were like, they have records where the players were at when they're supposedly receiving these treatments. One guy was playing basketball in Taiwan when he supposedly was getting eight crowns in Orange County, California. Not really. I was thinking that all the way through. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It's not a good plan. You could argue the whole thing's not a good plan, but even within the How bigger picture. How are you picture, playing yeah, 10 hours good. across the Pacific Ocean? Kyrie Irving listed as an eligible play. The Nets got a home preseason game, so he has not been with the Nets for any of their practices in New York either. How good is a team with Durant and Harden? Let's shift the, eh, pretty shift good. the topic. Can they win the title Don't with Durant and Harden? Don't forget Blake Griffin right there, man. Blake Griffin. Uh, Irving's a good player, but I'm glad he's not on the Jazz. A lot of distractions, a lot to deal with. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 2-2. And Alvarez hits it in the air pretty well and pretty deep to right center field. Robert is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. Into the Astros bullpen for Alvarez. And the Astros lead is 6 to nothing. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. This one is way out of here. Serena with his first of 2021, and it's 4 nothing Rays here in the fifth. Taylor leans all the way in, making a 90-degree angle. A Razorina heads for home. The throw, he has stolen home, and it's 5 nothing Rays. Astros uh, hammer the White Sox 6-1. Rays shut out the Red Sox 5-zip. Randy Rosarena, that's a name that really rolls off the tongue, a massive home run in the fifth inning. And then he steals home in the seventh. I don't know that they needed that run, but go and get it just in case. Well, as someone who has stolen home, yeah, on the back end of a double steal or no. just flying home. See, this was the the first the straight steal of home since Yogi Bear and uh, who was it? Jackie Robinson? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, there's been, yeah, you go to th- one, one guy runs to second and you come home. No. No, I stole legitimately home against the Moon Valley Rockets. Big leg kick and you took off. You're not that fast. I raced you in the streets of Denver. Oh, I let you win. Twice. You did not. (laughs) You tried to get me taken down. 
Stop, ego boy, wall. man. Saw it right there. Yep. If you ever wondered about Sniggy's ego, yep. well, you just got a little bite right there. <laughs> Dusted no, him. The shocker was, and this was a varsity game. I did play varsity baseball. I don't know if you knew. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> you ex-jocks always let us know. The shocker was I was actually on third base. Was, what the heck were you doing all the way over there? I know. I wasn't on base uh, a lot of the times. But, no, I got to third. They gave the suicide squeeze. So I take off, and they throw a curveball. And it was a pitcher who just was in love with his windup and all. It actually was a friend of mine because we had played summer ball with those guys. Yeah. And uh, so we knew them very, very well. Left here, righty. Could he see it? No, he's righty. He's yeah. righty. So he could but see I knew it. he had a big, massive windup because he knew. He knew I was slow as molasses. <laughs> so he knew there'd be no way. So he takes his big. He didn't go from the stretch. He takes his They're big, gonna, fancy windup. He's in his big windup. They got the squeeze on. <laughs> yeah, and he was a heck of an athlete. He played college football, and uh, so I take off, and he throws a curveball, and our guy lunges at it, misses it completely. And then I slide it. So it was right, a right-handed batter. Steal. Yeah. So he lunged out of the way. Well, I'm trying was, to picture it. It was a curveball, and curveballs would break away from right, a right-handed right. batter. So he's lunging so for we, it. So yeah. yeah, so he's lunging like almost like in the other batter's box, sure. basically. He misses it because it's a squeeze. Does it catch, your, catch it clean? I think it popped up. Okay. Because it bounced in, short-hopped him, and... No, no, it hit his glove because he, he moves his right-handed glove over. Okay. So it hits... It does not hit the ground. It just hits his glove and pops up six inches a yeah. foot or so. And meanwhile, I'm sliding in. Oh, the drama. I mean, I had a real, real mediocre career, but that was one of the highlights. So, of nice. course, I remember it. So, when I saw Randy do that, I said, right on, brother. That's it. We're just a couple of guys who stole home. And that might have been the only stolen base I had. <laughs> I don't remember any others. Maybe I had one. I don't remember. But I remember stealing home. Yeah. And I stood up, just you know, egg on the crowd. <laughs> Fifteen. The, the tens of 15 people there. Parents, best friends, and girlfriends. Ah, there was yeah, there were some honeys there. There were mainly the ones that I was trying to, hey, look at me. I know they probably didn't, but I wanted it. White Sox and Astros today at noon, game two. Nationally gets going today. Braves and Brewers at 2:30. Red Sox and Rays at 5. Dodgers and Giants at 7:30. So. Plenty going on there. Lots of baseball today. You'll be watching the Dodgers and Giants tonight while you're watching Stanford and ASU. Oh, for sure. It's all there for you tonight. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up. We've got B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, back with us as the Broncos, having taken down Utah State, will try to take down BYU as well. And David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz at 9 o'clock. Question of the day, hot takes or toes, coming up next. Stay with us. For the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. 
Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Today's question why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? I don't believe you shouldn't be. Speaking in the negative, which is, you know, the way I live my life. <laughs> I'm not sure I even want to try to unravel that. I know. So Me you either. think everyone should be positive or not well, I'm negative. I'm never going to say it that way. <laughs> right, so not, not negative. It's not who I am. You know, it's, it's a, I'm a half-empty guy. My tank, my wallet. Kevin says, I'll be watching SUU. My dreams. SUU, the Wildcats, the Aggies, the East Cougars, the Broncos. Baltimore, Buffalo, the Packers. Frustrated Urban and Sandpoint, Idaho, high school football. Kevin's got a lot of teams. He's going to be busy. (laughs) That's like 20 games. Did you say Sandpoint, Idaho? Yeah, that was a nice touch at the end. Is is that way up top? I want to say you're right. Daniel says BYU will win by nine points this week. Here's to hoping they continue to rush the ball well. I'd be shocked if they wouldn't. Although I was talking to some people at BYU, and I think the stats are a little misleading with Boise because of the nature of the teams that spread them out as much. Uh, but at the same time, they believe, as they should, obviously, that they can run the ball on Boise. And then when we get to next week, they're probably going to think we can run the ball on Baylor and so forth and so on. The BYU line's been good. The running back is very good. Get Algier behind that line. Why wouldn't you be able to run the ball? Right. So uh, they certainly think they can have success running the ball against Boise, no matter who the quarterback is. Uh, And, you know, with Conover, uh, had a whole week of practice here. Uh, I can't say expect to see a different Conover but expect to see a more confident Conover, expect to see a better Conover. Uh, I don't know that they're going to drastically alter what they've been doing, uh, but you know he's had a good week of practice. Uh, but they are, they've got a great running back, and they've got a good enough offensive line, and this thing is clicking, man. They feel like everything is there for them to do what they do. It's a great feeling to have that, a lot of confidence in, in what Algier can do, and they should. He's just been, for a year now, he's been brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant, man. Just It's been fun to watch. What can he do? You know, I like the passing and the ball all over the field and all, but if you get a runner that can pound it like he can and then have some breakaway speed, that's fun to watch too. I mean, I was a big fan of Marcus Dupree. <laughs> what? I think you should stay in the Big 12. You've got to get BYU fans up to speed on the history. I was like, that's a poll from the Big 12. So, <laughs> Although officially, wouldn't it be the Big 8? The from, forerunner to the Big that 12? that era, yeah. Well, he was a forerunner, let me tell you. It's my point. He was a forerunner. Four, 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 five runner. Yeah. Get your 40. Fun to watch. When you're that good, 
even though I think a lot of us like the wide-open offense. But when you're that good, that's f- still fun to watch. Well, we like big plays. And a guy who's that talented can break some big plays. That's what we've seen. Even if you're running. Yeah, that's People what we've were coming seen out of their seats on that long touchdown run for Algeria, Utah State. Which one? The those, one that got them down to the one? Those are, uh, <laughs> those are game changers. Flip the field like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the... Uh, What's it going to be for him? What's the single-season record for the Cougars? Yuck! Or back when, maybe it was set back when they used to run it, like, pre-Lavelle? No, I'm pretty sure it's Staley. It Staley? Staley said it. He might have been reset since then, though. Has he got a shot at it? it keeps going. I'm telling you, I, I don't follow this stuff very religiously, but if he averages 200 yards a game, he's got a good shot at it. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Uh, Staley, fifteen eighty-two. It looks like is still yeah. the record. Yeah, one thousand five hundred eighty-two yards. And people argue with me on who's the best running back in BYU history. Why do they do that? I don't know. I don't That's, get it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> do you have any recollection? Does it's not that well, long okay, ago? Here's the thing. I don't think people remember how good he was. I think there he are was a lot of people who bona fide forgot. stud. He I, was the stud of the stud. I am not arguing with you in any way, shape, or form. He's the greatest. I know running people back were watching. They they started twelve and zero. Everybody was watching. But there are a lot of younger folks. Well, like, sometimes, yeah, they're younger and okay, newer guys yeah. come along. Yeah. He didn't have a pro career. If you're Jamal 20, Williams had a pro career. If you're 25 years old and you didn't see the games because you were just you know so young at that point, okay, I get that. They've seen Unga, they've seen Williams, they've seen Curtis and there's Brown. There's been some good running backs. But yeah, if you're 35. Right there, yeah. 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 And he wasn't a flamboyant quote. No, not at all. Curtis Brown was but an excellent just, interview. Jamal was all over the map, entertaining. Yes. Uh, so, you know, he was sort of... I remember one time he, he we were down in Florida, and I asked him a question, and he said that... I say, you say that all the time. Can you change it up a little? I don't even remember what it was, but I remember looking at him saying, that's your answer to every question. <laughs> <laughs> but he was an immense talent, and Algier right now... Looking like he is right there. I'm not going to go there yet because it's not done, but it's looking like they're just so good at and doing what they do, and he's so good at doing it. So of course I expect them to continue. That's what I'm saying. Why wouldn't a BYU fan and have all sorts of confidence right now? Utah, uh, a little less, but I see no reason why you shouldn't be confident. You've come close so many times there. It's like you weren't going to beat BYU every time. It was going to end. So it happened to be this year. Good and on you. USC them. isn't going to beat you every time <laughs> right, either. Right. It's right. the same kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. there have been a couple blots, but there have been a bunch of close games, and eventually you win one of the close games. Yes. Yes. So SC's sort of in a mess. You have emotional and maybe that's, some talent issues to deal with. See that, But I don't think thing. you're a mess. See, that's the thing. Between the quarterback change all the fumbles, and then another tragic death. There have been so many storylines of Utah, and of course Utah fans are going to be focused on their team. But if you focus on USC's team, they got plenty of issues themselves. they got plenty of question marks. But when you're on the field, I don't think you're thinking about the fumbles two weeks ago. Uh, for a little bit, maybe you could put the grief aside. I can't say yes or no, but maybe we've seen players and talk about it. And you know just in regular life, you don't have to be a player to know that keeping yourself busy 
uh, maybe can help you deal with tragedies a little bit better. Maybe not. It depends on the person. So there's an opportunity there, particularly when you're not by yourself. You're with another, you know, another 60, 70 guys and the band is there, the fans are there and blah, blah, blah. So maybe you can stay in the moment there. Then it comes down to talent. Does you do Utah does Utah have enough talent this year to beat SC? I think they do. Will they? I don't know. That's why we watch the games. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? We literally have Ute fans on the Facebook page arguing overnight. Utah hasn't won in the Coliseum yet, Scotty says. Maybe this is the year, Daniel says. Let's go there's going to be a year. Why not this one? Interim coach. Quarterback play has slipped a little bit. Team doesn't look as tough. They've got an awesome receiver, but they don't have several awesome receivers. That was the problem two years ago. They had several awesome receivers. Yeah, they think they had three. I have to go back and remember, but I yeah. think they had three who played. Uh, and right Vaughn, now, Vaughn's in the NFL because I know Pittman and St. Brown are. Yeah. Uh, look that up, Tyler Vaughn's. But yeah, and Pittman was out jumping people. The rat fink. They got beat by the rat fink. Yeah, I know. I remember. <laughs> and, go ahead. Tyler Vaughn's plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's what I thought. And also, too, I think it was Brumfield uh, fumbled on the one as they were going in. I was going to say, Brumfield was on yeah. the doorstep. Yeah. I mean, right there, because uh, did Moss come out, if I remember correctly? There was a little bit of an injury, and they literally fumbled if I remember he served, which I, I can I think visual right. it is from the press box, it was at, at the one uh, going in on the, the west uh, the west end of the end zone there, the closed end. And so you know, they've been there. They play these guys well, generally speaking. Drake London has four or 670 yards receiving already. The guy is just awesome and big time. But nobody else has 250. They've played five games. Nobody else is He's the Simi Fahoko at Brighton of SC. Yes. He's throwing the ball all the time. And Taj Washington is kind of the, he's the second guy. But he's got one TD. And 220 yards receiving through five games. Yeah. They don't have the depth. Keep your eye on number 15. Drunk London, he'll make plays all over the field. But I would think for that secondary, that makes their job a whole lot easier than it was two years ago. I don't know. Because he's that awesome? He's yeah. as good as having three awesome guys? Well, the other guys aren't dirt. But if you're not going to take away our number one, number one option, I'd never put my hand in the dirt. But it seems to me you ought to just keep going to your number one option until they take it away. Absolutely. So no one's taking it away. A little common sense there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to discount the other guys for his brilliance. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? And Bill says because BYU inevitably will always have one unexplainable loss to a team they should beat. They did in 1984. Freaking year. No, that's not true. They didn't in 1984. 1984. Yeah. <laughs> but since then. Well, it's not every figure. Now, I think you can say that about every team. Well, look how many teams go undefeated in college football. So few. Yeah. You end up with a loss at some point. Right. Right. It just happens. So you can't slap that label on BYU. 
And I don't think they're going to go undefeated this year. Although I did tell them the other day that if you don't, it's because of bad coaching. You were telling that to a coach, obviously. You got to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to take them uh, six at a time. But when we get there, I don't know that I'll be thinking, wow, they're going to lose this game. Remains to be seen. Going going to Baylor is not easy. Especially you're going to have all your wives are going to want to go to that thing. What's that thing called, Yak, I told you about? And then they go and they look at that stuff. Uh, it's got a name. Magnolia Lane. There you go. There, there you is. go. There you go. There it you took go. me a minute. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so all the BYU wives, I mean, every player is married. All the wives are going to want to go to be able to go visit that thing. So that's going to be a distraction unto itself. And you think he's kidding, but he's not. <laughs> what are we going to do with all this NIL money? We're going to redo the kitchen. We're going to fly I down know, to like Waco. I know five or six ladies who brought their daughter and did that thing. Yeah. It seems ridiculous to me, but I, <laughs> I mean, I literally know. It's a true story. <laughs> what would you rather do? Would you rather root canal go, go down? <laughs> would you rather go down to the Eccles Theater and see a play with some singing and some dancing for a couple hours, or oh, get on a plane and fly to Waco and tour Magnolia Lane and no. look at some examples well, how you could redecorate? Obviously, your- I would rather go to uh, get the less painful to to go to, to Eccles. Eccles Theater unto itself is a beautiful facility, so they do a lot of stuff there. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you haven't been there, go see a show. I mean, I'm not a Salt Lake chamber guy here but that place i've seen several shows there and it is just phenomenal what a venue whoever built that place tip of the hat to you all right dj and pk bj rains boise state beat writer for the idaho press tribune is going to join us at 8 30 talk broncos and cougars make sure you're here for that right here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone For the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This week's Raider game against the Chicago Bears is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Yeah, I was working with somebody last night. You know, we... We're going to be uh, doing some stuff there with uh, the KSL folks and talk to some people, maybe get a group, go down there. Yeah, you were working that, huh? Get yeah. the trip from the new management. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really want to do that. We are the Raider station, and I find myself watching all the Raider games. Well, they got a good team right now. Sure. I'm but reserving I, my spot on the party bus right now. I mean, I think they can make inroads here. could be our team. Everybody goes to Vegas for one reason or another. You don't just have to go to, well, the reason why you do. And what would that be? Da-da-da, 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 da-da. 
I put on a few pounds. I don't do those shows anymore. <laughs> no, no. I mean to enjoy, not to participate. Man. I know, but I grossed Yock out. <laughs> that would be like that sign I saw during Yuck. the pandemic. Sorry, we're fully clothed. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Made me chuckle when I was More puns, more puns. <laughs> Question of the day. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? And Adam says, my team hasn't won in the Coliseum in a long time. They struggled. They struggled to put away Washington State two weeks ago. I'll never stop hoping that the Utes can beat USC at their place, the same way Cougar fans never gave up. See if their team could finally beat Utah after 12 years. Miracles have to happen at some point. Am I right? Yeah, so that's Hashtag the whole point. Go Utes. That is the whole point, is that it does have to happen, and it will happen. The breakthrough... Will come at some point. Did you have you seen USC play? My goodness, Oregon State, Stanford, Oregon State was might be one of the worst, if not the worst game I've seen them play ever. They were. I mean, it was uninspiring. Yes, completely discombobulated. You can get beat, and it happens as winner and loser in every game, but there's no excuse for not competing. And I felt like they gave up. I felt like they rolled over. That was shocking to me. To see that, didn't I? Did not see that coming at all. And maybe Oregon State, when we get to uh, the end of next month, we'll look back and say, "Wow, Oregon State was just really a lot better than we thought." I'm not going to rule that out, but that was an uninspiring effort. And then they beat Colorado. Everybody's going to beat Colorado. The only teams that are going to beat Colorado is Arizona. Uh, so I'm not going to draw anything from that. And the Utes are one and zero. They're perfect in conference play. Yeah, let's not oversell that. <laughs> they are. They I, are. I know they are, but let's not oversell Why that. not? That's what they have to sell. Whatever you have to sell, that's what you oversell. That's the way that works. That's what they oversell. You don't need to oversell it. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I really <laughs> don't. Until they're not, I'm going to sell. Now I hope to go 9-0 and so I can taunt oh, you. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm on. Sign me up. Utes 9 and 0. BYU 12 and 0. Utah State already lost to Boise State, so they can't go undefeated in conference. Yeah, but they can win it because Boise has a loss in conference themselves. Could get another so they one. They can win their division. Yeah. It could happen. Other division looks tougher. So I don't know about the championship game. I have to see about that, but I I think that's the mindset you have to take. We are in first place in the loss column. And gosh, by the time they take the field, they could be in first place by themselves. I mean, no one's going to sit here and say, wow, I didn't see Stanford beating the Sun Devils. That's not a shocker. That could happen. And will Oregon State fall to Washington State? Yeah, but, those are the yeah, only other two teams. Division, your division. division. Yeah, but those are the only two other teams that don't have a loss in the league. They could be the but only But it doesn't matter what, what, what happens over there. Right, but if you have it, you'll sell it. We're the only undefeated team in the conference. And then Oregon's losing uh, top uh, flight sa- uh, safety and their running back. Loss for the season. Both of them. That, those are major injuries. Not just minor. Major. One guy with three interceptions yeah, and Probably tackles. two NFL players. And we saw Verdell, if you don't remember him, he's the running back who ran wild on you two years ago. He's an NFL guy. Yeah. And he's gone. So... It's conceivable, man. 
there is nobody, literally nobody on your schedule that you can't beat. That's the, that has to be their mindset. And you're not worried about playing Oregon in, in five or six weeks. You're worrying about SC. November 20th is a little bit down the road right now. Mm-hmm. So focus on the Coliseum. And it, it is an imminently winnable game. Because if they go 2-0, and the fact of the matter is those losses before don't matter. Um, what your primary goal is, it just they just don't. So that's exactly what they should be thinking, and they should be thinking that strongly. So yes, I am going. I'm not going to oversell it because it can't be oversold. It's an elimination game. If the Utes beat USC, they'll be two and three in conference, and we can stop talking about four teams can win the South, and we can start talking about three teams that win the South. Be a big deal. Get the Utes to two and zero. Oh. And hand USC a third conference loss. That would be a big deal. You can't oversell that. Got poll sure. questions up. Go to Twitter. David DJ James. Utah or USC, who you got? BYU, Boise State, who you got? We'll update you on the voting later this morning. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up in one hour, 9 o'clock. We'll talk to David then. BJ Reigns in half an hour here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark... Miller Subaru. On this football Friday, we have tons of football. Already spent an hour on it. BJ Reigns, Boise State B writer, is going to join us to talk BYU and Boise State in the next segment. But you had another question, which is less football, more jazz, but a little baseball playoffs as well. Yeah, we're watching Tampa. Small market, worse stadium, worse attendance. Got nothing going for it. But yet they continue to win. In the series last year, in a market, and a division I should say, that has Canada's team, that has the Yankees and Red Sox. Got some money. Yes. And literally the country's baseball team. And you're winning. You tell me how that doesn't provide jazz fans immense hope. You know, this year, I looked this up. Tampa's used 61 players. 61 players. We need a deep team. 18 rookies. Now say we need a young team. Go on, say it. We need a young team. They used 38 pitchers this year. That's ridiculous. It's a lot of middle relievers right there. 23 pitchers have recorded at least one win. How many uh, starters? You got that number? Because I can believe guys, you know, coming in, pitching a ninth inning and a mop-up roll. Now the winning, okay, so now you're a middle reliever and you're behind and you're in there eating up the innings in the sixth inning. You have a big inning and you get the win. they do the, they don't do starting pitching. They do bring in a bullpen guy, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really count. Because they have the bullpen starts where you you know yeah. right from the start. It's a bullpen day. Yeah. They're, it, they're a pitching staff day. They lost their three best pitchers from last year's World Series team. No sweat. 14 pitchers this year have recorded at least one save. They're revolutionizing the way you attack a season. Moneyball 2.0. To the highest level. And you're playing in a division that has the biggest money 
teams Yankees, save the Dodgers. Yankees payroll number two, 203 million. Red Sox number five, 184 million. Jays number 11, 150 million. And then way down the list, the Tampa Bay Rays, 26 out of 30. A 70, almost $71 million payroll, which means the Yankees almost triple your payroll and the Dodgers almost quadruple it. Literally in a different league. But the reason they don't, big picture they do, because anytime you see another smaller payroll team with financial disadvantages, I hate to call them a small market team. Tampa Bay is an enormous market. Well, they don't, not attendance-wise. But they got a bad facility. Nobody's been to that dome, likes it. And they didn't start until 98, and the Yankees had been, and Red Sox have been down in Florida having spring training forever, and they got fans everywhere. The Tampa Bay home games, it's like watching the Chargers host the Raiders. So what? So what? So you don't have the money. It's a place smaller than it is. You don't need the money. That's the point. So what? But the reason they don't give the Jazz that much hope is they've basically done what the Jazz already know they can do. They've been good and competed. They haven't won at all. They've been to two World Series, lost them both. Jazz been to two NBA Finals, lost them both. They've been to the playoffs routinely. And when they've been down and had to rebuild, they take three years and rebuild. Jazz have done that a couple times now. They're on the verge of winning. This is their it's best. O- it's this only is a matter of time. This is the Rays' best team. It's their first 100-win team. they got playoff experience and now. And they've only been around since 98. The other guys mm-hmm. have been around since 78, 79. Mm-hmm. So and they should have more success in that way. And you can say, well, the Bucks, the Bucks are small market. Yeah, but the Bucks had the best player in the league. But see, that's that doesn't count. That's the difference between baseball and basketball. There are differences. And in basketball, you often need the best player in the league. But the cool thing which is, which means you don't sometimes because chose. you didn't say always. No, you could have the third best player in the league and win a title. If you have the third, the eighth, the tenth, that's the way to go. There's nobody on the Rays who's the best player in the league. But baseball doesn't require that. The best player in baseball, misses I don't, the and playoffs. basketball won't either. No, I'm talking multiples. I'm not just talking literally the best. They don't have the best pitcher. They don't have the best fielder. They don't have the best hitter. Not, not literally the singular best. Yeah. They have a lot of very good, outstanding players, and they know what they're doing. That's the way for the Jazz to get it. They're never going to have the best player. If you're waiting for them to have the best player in the league, well, then you're going to wait forever. But I'm saying you don't need to wait for that to win it all. You don't. If you have the most talent on your roster, Jazz managers pointed that out for a long time. You can do it. That you can be like the Pistons of 04 and have a bunch of good players. Well, there's plenty of examples. And you can do it. I mean, go look back, man. Bob Hedit was good, but the St. Louis Hawks, did they have the best talent? I don't know, Grandpa. Tell me. Well, look it up. That you're, that's your internet, dude. You're right there. Bob Pettit was a heck of a player. I know the name. But Corey Jones, I mean, he was a great supplemental guy. You made that up. <laughs> Corey Jones sounds like a name from the 80s. Oh, it does? Yeah, it does to me. I don't know why. All right, Frank. Bob, yeah, Frank. <laughs> the Bobs and Franks played in the 60s. Corey played in the 80s. Dick Grody. <laughs> 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 he didn't make that up. That's an actual Met from his youth, probably. That's <laughs> well, Jerry Grody. I just put an old name there. Mm. Uh, so, 
I've never been more encouraged about the Jazz winning a title than I am today. Never. Never. Even 2-2 in the 97 finals? Come on. Yeah, one word. Jordan. <laughs> but it was 2-2. How many times did he lose? Uh, Zero. To the Pistons. <laughs> no, I'm talking in the finals. Zero. Zero. No, if he had a problem, he got exposed before then. When he was ready to win, he never lost. When the other guys, I think he was ready to win against Pistons. The uh, other guys weren't. I think he needed to do what Phil Jackson said and, and trust players. And uh, maybe so. We can argue that. It's pointless. Uh, but this team right now, today, there's I think the no thing, reason. There, there are differences in the sports, and we can go through all of them. The thing that the Rays have in common with the Jazz, with the Bucks, you don't necessarily have the glamour, and you don't have the money. But can you, is there a way to find an edge? Toss out the money. They're due to pay almost $40 million in luxury tax. That guy's got the money. So toss out the money. That level, but players go to markets to make money off. I mean, LeBron's a great example. He went to L.A. to make money off the court that you can't make off the the court. Does he need to make more money? No, he don't need to, but he wants to. That's why he chose it. He's a free agent. Do whatever he wants. Right. He could have gone to Denver. He didn't want. Right. So you're talking about him. Right. That's not the wide best player spread. in the game. But the point because, is, but the point is go ahead. if you're smart, and this is what you're getting at, if you're smart, you can find an edge and you might have some stuff working against you, but you can overcome it. And that is a message of hope for the Jazz or any other small market team chasing it. There's nothing working against the Jazz. Nothing. Nothing. That's a total overstatement. Nothing that can't be overcome. So you're saying the same thing I am a different way and then arguing with me about it. And I'm right. <laughs> but so am I. You agree. You just don't want to agree. I'm going to disagree. I'm and then right. I'm going to say the same thing Bottom in a different is, way. I'm right. I don't know what you're saying. I'm only worrying about what I'm saying. And it's profound what I'm saying. That's what I know. They have nothing that they cannot overcome. That's the nothing. Double, that's a double negative instead of a positive again. Nothing. You can do that every hour today? That'd be great. On the hour. <laughs> and a little after. Traffic at the, on the nines. And sports at 15 and 45 after every hour. KNX for all my LA people. <laughs> so they have nothing that they can't overcome. I, I firmly believe that. Hadn't thought of KNX in a long time. Hmm. Well. 15 and 45. <laughs> You're stuck on the freeway all the time. You come to count on that. Yeah, and they'll tell you you're stuck on the freeway. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Thanks, Captain Obvious. And they'll tell you you're stuck on like seven freeways. (laughs) And it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're wondering what the heck. Don't worry about it. There's no other freeways to go to. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I firmly believe that. And I look at Tampa. If you do things right, now it's up to you. That's the one thing that can get in the way. You know, the Kings have not been in the playoffs since 05 06. Yeah, 15 and years. And since that time, they've only won 38 games at least twice. Twice. 38 <sighs> and then 39, like two, three years ago, and they fire Jaeger as the coach. Come on. Oof. They are getting in their way. They're the problem. Not Sacramento. Not down the street in the Warriors. No. It's Sacramento's problem is Sacramento. 
That's those are the facts. You've taken since that's 15, 16 years. Except for a, a few select players, that is an entire generation of NBA players. Yeah, LeBron and Carmelo are hanging on. But other than that. Right. You got me, a, you know, a couple. Yeah. But m- overwhelming percentage. Of the league has never seen. Yeah. You entered the, the league in 05. You're probably out now. If you aren't, good luck. Great on you. And you're on the Lakers. Yeah. And so that's very, very rare. There's not an, a person, man, woman, who were, was born on the earth. I'll give you a 15-year career in your chosen professional field. Would you take it athletically in pro sports? Every one of them would sign up immediately. Even LeBron and Carmelo at that time would have said absolutely. Uh, so they are the ones screwing it up. There's nothing that is preventing them except themselves. And the flip side, there's nothing that's going to prevent the Jazz from winning it all if they do what they are capable of doing. And so far, that's worked. And the whole idea, yeah, LeBron wanted to do the Hollywood thing, but only LeBron was capable if Rudy Gay wanted to do the Hollywood thing, Hollywood would look at him and say, who are you? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So Space he Jam can do that. With Rudy Gay. Yeah. And that's nothing against him because that, he against, fits in the overwhelming percentage. It's nothing percentage. against anybody else right. in the league. It LeBron was a LeBron deal. Because he was the ultimate megastar. And Jordan could have done it. And Magic was fortunate that he ended up playing there and all that stuff. But those guys are few. Very few. You don't, you don't even necessarily know you'll get them in a generation. Wait a minute. Space Jam with Joe Ingles. Well, my down under might work. Yeah, now we're talking. Down there. When does the Joe Ingles show start, Yach? Usually when the season starts. Yeah, so it's not that far away now. Still got a few weeks. Uh, so I believe this group has everything, and especially now, I don't know what Ryan Smith is going to do financially every year in terms of the commitment to the team. But right now, he's putting it out there. You cannot argue with that. And they got free agents. You know, maybe they don't get the premier free agent, but I I don't think you need the premier free agent. What free agent premier guy did Milwaukee get? They did not. Right. And there's a couple premier free agents you want to get. There are a lot of guys who change, and you got to give people hope, and you got to spend the money, and you got to get the best player you can. So guys move, and they get the money. But there's two guys you want. For the last decade, you want Durant and you want LeBron. You got to spend a lot of free agents out there, but those are the guys. The money must be spent appropriately, because if it's not, like Gordon Hayward is going to get thirty million. He got thirty million to be in Boston. You end up in in an NBA financial cul-de-sac. You're not going any further. That's it. Just going to go around and around. Oh, you're making me dizzy. It's probably how Charlotte basketball fans feel. No, there's more hope than ever. They drafted uh, LaMelo, and he looks like a player. See, that's what I'm talking about, right? He had an outstanding, he was injured a lot, but he had an outstanding season last year, right? That gives them hope. You put together a couple more LaMellos, and you got something. He looked really good, right? That's the way you do it. That's what the Jazz have done. There's no need to be discouraged. I am in the, the land of encouragement. I am giving you 
as my man would say, a form of encouragement. <laughs> and take it and run with it. Be the Rays. That's the motto. Be the Rays on three. Be the Rays on three. Be the Rays! They can do it this year. Got the first 100-win team. Got some World experience, Series experience. Obviously, some guys are gone, but some guys are back. They got guys stealing home. Yeah, that's a great example of a guy they got back. He's already felt the postseason pressure and delivered. Right. right. Now he's doing it again. And he's a rookie this year for some concocted rule. <laughs> he had 10 home runs in the postseason last year, and he's a rookie this year. Well, that wasn't a real season. Well, but they got the rules. You got to play a certain percentage, right. or you can maintain your rookie status. Yeah, you can say rookie for this is like Ben Simmons, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell on steroids. It's a joke. Uh, so yeah, I think they've got a shot. And the great thing about it is that if they don't have if they don't win it this year, they got a shot next year. <clears throat> Look at all these players. These sixty-one players. You can't do that in the NBA. That won't get you anywhere. The talents, the talents uh, to play yeah, differently. See, but yeah, okay. And, but and yet younger, Terrence Mann is going for 39. And younger players. Right, but he's in the league. I mean, 61 players, you'd literally be getting well, guys they're in, the league. in the league. The reason why they're not in, in up at the big leagues is because they got a minimum number or maximum number you can have, but they're big league players. Basketball talent is distributed differently, and you know that. Except Terrence Mann closes you out with 39. Right. He is a Tampa Ray kind of guy. Right, but he's not guy 61 for the Rays. Like, he's not guy 61 for the Clippers. Okay, so he's 38. That's where the sports, that's where the, there's different. Like. You went to the far extreme. I don't think, I think the principle is the same, though. You've got, yeah, there's fewer guys, but the point is, we call on you and you're ready to go. Terrence Mann was called on and he was ready to go. In that round of the playoffs, he was, but in the next round, he wasn't and they got knocked out. And jazz fans aren't about That's being good. They want to win it all. Sure, but you got to get to the Western Final before you get to the NBA Final. Would you not feel better about this team this year with their chances if every, they had gotten yep. to the third round? Of course. Yes. Win every playoff series. So don't you can. scoff at them getting the Clippers all of a sudden or dog me because they got beat by the upstart Suns. Come on! Come on! Exactly. I love the way you change the argument in the middle. You're the I didn't best change anything. You I directed did. it to its logical conclusion. <laughs> and then made your point, but ignored the fact they didn't win the championship, which is what this Neither is all about. Neither did the Suns, so the Suns sucked too. And the Bucks did. And how'd they do it? Well, like the Rays and the Jazz, they're smart, they're savvy, made good decisions, took their lumps along the way, maybe caught some breaks, but they took advantage of the breaks they caught. Well, I think for and them, the number one reason why they won... Is they, they traded a, Bledsoe they for Holiday. Move. Yeah, they made one more savvy move and tinkered yeah. as they got close. And Drew Holiday wasn't available. He was only available to the Bucks. It's not like, oh man, we got to get Drew Bledsoe. You realize Drew Bledsoe's now on the Clippers? They jettisoned him. And so now you've got Holiday. That was a shrewd, true move. That yep. makes my point. And, and not that you weren't making it already. Because right. you were. Moves. I was. Yeah. The shrewd moves can pay off. There is a path. Shrewd moves it's, on three. One, two, three. Shrewd, Shrewd moves. moves. Yeah. When we come back, BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He's practically a member of the staff. He's been on the show so much. The preseason preview and on before the Boise State-Utah State game told us some good stuff leading up to that game. A lot of it, a lot of it played out just as he said it would. Now, what does he got to say about the BYU game? We'll talk with him next. It's game week for the 
Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in BJ Reigns. Welcome him back to the show. He writes for the Idaho Press Tribune. Covers the Boise State Broncos. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. BJ, good morning. What's going on? I was just thinking about this. I think I've been on the show enough times that I deserve like my own entrance music or something. <laughs> nice. Hey, he needs some walk-up music. What do you got in mind? I don't know. It's kind of cliche, but I mean, a good like you know, Guns and Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. That'll get you fired up for a segment, probably. I mean, we could think of something. I'll, I'll talk to Mr. Hatch there, and we'll figure it out. Excellent. I like the way you think here. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. We've we've obviously we had you on before the season. We had you on before the Utah State game. And as you talk about the Broncos and teams evolve. I know they're two and three, and that catches people's eyes. I don't know that we should take much from what happened in the season opener when they had to travel to the East Coast first game. I don't know how much that stuff matters uh, when we get to this point, whether they made a play at the end and won or lost that game. I'm real curious about what happened in Nevada in the most recent game, losing Nevada at home 41-31, being unable to get stops, and how that translates to this game. What's going on with the Bronco defense? Because you look at the numbers, and Nevada threw the ball, they ran the ball, they finished in the red zone and scored touchdowns. What happened? Well, I would actually say, you know, the, the numbers may look bad for the defense, but I, I think that game was lost by the Boise State offense. Uh, three turnovers in the second half, and all three gave uh, prime field position to Nevada. I mean, Boise State was, you know, winning by one point at halftime, had the ball to start the second half, and First play of the third quarter, Bachmeyer gets strip sacked and, and uh, fumbles the ball like the ten yard line, and, and right away Nevada scores and uh, gets a two point conversion, and all of a sudden they're up by seven just like that. And so it kind of changed the game. So um, you know the defense has uh, given up a lot of yards, but they've actually been one of the better red zone teams in the country. Uh, I think they were number six prior to this game, and so um, you know they've been a, a bend but don't break defense. They had you know twelve turnovers in the first. Uh, four games and then had none in that game. So um, typically the defense is actually, for the most part, done okay in terms of getting turnovers, limiting teams in the red zone. They'll give up some yards, but they're not giving up points. But in that game, they were, you know, they, they did have some, some issues. But I say that it was the offense, uh, three turnovers in the second half, which the second half has been a huge problem for Boise State all season. All three of their losses, they had horrible third quarters. So um, that's something that they're certainly trying to, to get fixed uh, this week for sure. Offensively, BYU is just absolutely brilliant in turnovers. Only have two. One was a, a, a an end of the half, and then the pick in which the running back Algier went and, and got the ball back for them. So the other team's offense didn't even get on the field. Uh, so I don't know that Boise's going to be able to get a lot of turnovers. Maybe it could happen. Uh, I think, as I see it, if you and there's a whole a whole bunch of factors that determine an outcome. But if I can single it down to one thing. It's 
Boise State's ability to have success in stopping the running attack for the Cougars. And conversely, if the Cougars can't run the ball, then I think they're in trouble. So I'm thinking whoever wins that individual game within the game wins the game. How do you think that Boise's going to do against BYU's rushing attack? Well, if you look at the numbers, it's pretty one-sided for BYU. I mean, Boise State's rush defense has not been good this year. It's ranked 108th in the country. Uh, They've given up 194 yards per game on the ground. Um, In three of the five games, they gave up at least 230 yards. Uh, the, the running back Bowers for uh, UCF had a huge game. The running back for Oklahoma State had a huge game. Uh, both those guys were up over 175 yards by themselves. So uh, if I was watching film and I was Tyler Algier, I, I might be, uh, you know, thinking I got a chance to run for 300 yards in this game. I mean, uh, he, he's, you know, everybody knows what he did on your show, 212 yards last week against Utah State. I think he's number nine leading uh rusher in the nation and Boise State knows all about him I mean last year he had that 86 yard touchdown run uh, in Boise uh, pretty early in the game to kind of give them the lead and he went untouched right down the middle on like a third or fourth down so um, yeah there's been a lot of talk this week that's certainly a big focus on the game with the quarterback situation uncertain for BYU um, Boise State has to find a way and they're just so thin on the defensive line right now they came in thinking they were going to have a you know very talented defensive line very talented linebacker core and the secondary is going to be the problem and it's been kind of reversed. They got uh, you know, two starters out with injuries along the D line. They're missing some other guys. I mean, they're just they're just piecing things together. They're trying uh, tight end to D end in practice. I mean, they're doing what they can to try to fix uh, the thing, the, the the issues up front. And so, Andy Avalos' defenses have always figured it out, but to this point, they haven't. And if Tyler Algier can do what he's done all season and run the ball, Boise State will be in some trouble. Do they miss tackles? I mean, are they right there and guys just can't wrap up? Guys run through them. Yeah, it's a lot of issues. You know, you ask, we ask every week. I mean, we're kind of like a broken record talking with the coaching staff, but a lot of it's depth, a lot of it's the D-line not getting a lot of push, and um, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, yards before contact sometimes. There's just holes, and guys are having chances at big runs. And I mean, I know, uh, you know, J.L. Skinner is a heck of a player, uh, the safety for Boise State, but when he's leading your team in tackles in all five games, um, and is like the number two tackler in the nation. There's some good with that, but there's also some bad with that. I mean, he's a heck of a player, but there's too many guys getting to the second and third level uh, of the defenses. The D-line is just really struggling, and, and um, you know, there's been games where they, the Oklahoma State game, they knew, I mean, they had seven yards passing in the first half, and so they knew they were going to run the ball, and they still couldn't stop them. They just run it right up the middle. So, um, you know, they've got some guys, and they, they say they're close to figuring some things out, and that's obviously been a huge focal point. So, you know, I would assume maybe it's a little better than what it's been this week. But, you know, against a team that wants to run the football and has a big offensive line and is physical, I, I don't love that matchup for Boise State. Right, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, you look at Boise State, now they've had a lot of success over the last decade or so running the ball. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, they're as good this year. What do you think is going to happen there? Another big issue for Boise State that's been very perplexing. The offensive line has not been good. Um, they've moved guys around a different spot. The, the left tackle in the game against Nevada was the only guy that had started in that spot in a game already this season. Um, you know, they've been just trying different combinations. Their starting center has been out all season. Uh, he has not played. Um, they've had a lot of snap issues with the two centers they've tried to replace him with. So some of the rushing numbers, I mean, they lost 40 yards on two bad snaps. They had a 19-yard and a 21-yard loss in the Nevada game on plays where Bachmeyer wasn't ready when the ball was snapped. Um, they had a couple like that in the, in the uh, Utah State game, including one at the end zone where it was almost a safety, and Bachmeyer somehow caught it and uh, threw it away. Um, but um, that's been a big issue, and that's caused them a lot of negative yards. And they had 97 
negative yards in that game. Bachmeyer was sacked six times, and they lost the 40 yards in the two bad snaps. So you take away the 97, they actually felt like they ran the ball the best they have all season. In the first 12 carries, I think they had 63 yards. Um, they were getting, you know, five yards a carry, and they felt pretty good about it early in the game. And then as they fell behind, they had to pass more. And then, like I said, some of the numbers changed. But it's been bad. I mean, George Shalani's injured again. Don't know if he'll play on Saturday. I wouldn't think so. He left the last game early. Uh, he was a thousand yard back as a freshman, and last year was hurt all year, and this year hasn't really been able to, to stay healthy either. And they got a Oregon transfer, Cyrus Abibi Lakio. He's been okay, um, but uh, they just have, for whatever reason, have not been able to, to run. I mean, Tyler Crow, a walk on who just earned a scholarship last week, has been you know arguably one of their best uh, running backs, and he comes in you know in the fourth quarter in some of these games. So maybe they have to start mixing some up the depth chart. I don't know, but. It all comes back to the O-line. The O-line has not been very good, and they're trying to mix and match and find combinations. And, you know, they had two starters out last game, and I know they know that the defensive line for, for BYU is big and physical and going to be another huge challenge this week. So I think that uh, both running games and both offensive line, you know, defensive line battles, I think, are, are certainly going to be what decides this game. So how did the Broncos get it together against the Aggies? Because that game seems like an outlier versus these other games you're talking about. I mean, they played. Yeah, they played really well. They had a good second half. They they mixed it up with the the play calling. Um, they had a you know they had, I think nine snaps out of the wildcat. Um, they tried some different things there. Um, you know they had three turnovers, I believe, and had one at the goal line. And they just had uh, some some really good plays. And there was a, a botched punt that, that Utah State uh, it didn't work, and the guy tried to pull it for a fake punt, and that didn't work. Boise State stuffed them. They had a, a couple fourth down stops, I believe. Um, so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, it was really an outlier with what you saw, but I, you know, I also, you know, want to see more of Utah State before we, you know, kind of talk about that. But I mean, um, I think they just, you know, they're, they're close. I mean, if they're not the best two and three team in the country, they're probably certainly up there. And that's kind of how they feel. And they feel like they, you know, you mentioned the UCF game and, and they, you know, were up by 21 points and let that game slip away in the second half. Uh, they would have won the, Oklahoma State game if the whistle wasn't blown by the referee when they had a scooping score with four minutes left in the game. So they feel like they certainly had, you know, gave Oklahoma State a top 20 team right now, everything they could handle. Um, and so they don't, you know, the Nevada game, the second half, again, was really bad, three turnovers, but they don't feel like they're a terrible team. And, you know, the last time they were two and three, Andy Avalos was a freshman linebacker in 2001. And when they were two and three, they beat Tulsa or somebody. And then in the next game, they went to Fresno State, a number eight Fresno State team on the road and upset them. And that was the last time an unranked Boise State team has beaten a top 10 team. Um, and that was kind of the game that everybody says kind of started Boise State on this two, you know, decade of uh, dominance trajectory. And so Andy Avalos is kind of using that as a rallying thing this week. That hey, I've been two and three the last time Boise State was two and three here. We were, I know what good things can come of it. And there's a lot of season left. And so they, they, they're, enjoy, they're embracing that kind of nobody giving us a chance in this game mentality, and they're, they're enjoying being the rare underdog, and they're, they're I think, going to play free and loose and see what happens. I believe for BYU, for their defensive backfield, uh, Drake London out of SC is going to be the best receiver they're going to face this year, but I also think number two, and not that far behind, is Khalil Shakur. I mean, because I think this guy is absolutely brilliant. I think he's averaging, what, like 17 yards a catch, something like that. Uh, so I believe Bachmeyer is going to look for him every chance he can get. Can you tell us just how good this kid is and what do you think he can do against the Cougars? Oh, I mean, he's going to play on Sundays. How high of a pick he is, I don't know the answer to that. You know, Boise State guys often don't get the, 
the love sometimes in terms of the draft rankings because they did not play in the same competition and all that. But the thing to me is he, just, he doesn't drop passes. I mean, he made one catch the other day. It was a horrible throw from Bachmeyer into double coverage in the corner of the end zone, and Shakir wasn't even looking. He turns around at the last minute and just sticks out one hand and somehow palms the ball for an amazing touchdown catch. And he does that every game. He's had four or five one-handed catches, and you just type in Khalil Shakir on um, you know Twitter or something, and some of the video highlights that come up, it's insane. I mean, every game he makes at least one catch where you're like, how the bleep did he catch that? And so, um, yeah, the problem is teams know that. You know, they've got Steph Cobbs, number five, is really emerging as a nice secondary option. He had 10 catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns against Nevada. I think Shakir only had four catches in that game. So, um, you know, they have to, you know, find other ways to get him involved, get him more touches. And I know that's a really important thing this week is whether he's out of the wildcat formation, which he'll do a couple times, whether it's the kind of fly jet sweep stuff or whether it's just, you know, getting him more targets. They know that he's their best player on offense and they've got to find a way to get him the ball more. He's a, he's a special player. You know, he's a, a true senior. He played as a true freshman. This is only his fourth year. And it's pretty much, you know, there's no chance of him coming back for the COVID year. Everyone knows he's probably gone. So, um, they, they, you know, they don't want to waste a special season like they have a chance to get from him. And he's got a chance to, to put together some of the records and things like that for, for uh, catches and yards and touchdowns if he can kind of pick up the pace a little bit. But uh, he's, he's a heck of a player for sure. Number two is definitely one to look out for. So for BYU, this has turned into a nice rivalry, and people look forward to it in the independent era. That's been really important. But Boise State's got big conference games. They've got UCF and Oklahoma State on the schedule. Does this disappear a little bit into the schedule, or is this a big deal? And for whatever the Broncos' problems have been, the whole team is going to be up for this. Oh, they'll be up for it, no doubt about it. I mean, there was a ton of talk this year about the or this week about the picture that BYU took on the field last year. Um, and it's not the first time that's happened. New Mexico did it like 2015 or something. When New Mexico won on the blue, they took a team picture, and that was the talk all week. And we're certainly talking different circumstances here, but Boise State blew them out on the road by like 40 the next year. And so um, they're certainly dealing with a different animal tomorrow. But, yeah, it's, that was a big talk, and that, that picture has circulated its way around the, the locker room. They did, you know, Boise State didn't like that, but they – you know, and it's not like they were mad at BYU. I think it was more like, how do we let that happen? Like, how do we play bad enough and get blown out? Um, you know, at home to to be in a position where a team is on the field celebrating, taking a picture. So I think it was just a humbling moment for them, not like a necessarily a pissed off at BYU moment. But um, that's been something that certainly has motivated them. The feeling of that game, losing to BYU two years in a row, and yeah, this is a huge game for them. And, and like I said, it's the last non-conference game, so. In terms of like their goals in the Mountain West and stuff, this has nothing to do with that. So they're kind of playing free and easy. They're not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. They really have nothing to you know play for, so to speak, on a national level. And since this game is non-conference, it doesn't mean much. But no, it's always a big game. It's uh you know I'm excited that it's in the daytime, first matchup in the day with these two teams. That'll be fun. Um, but no, they're excited. They're fired up, and a lot of fans up here are hoping that it continues. Even with BYU going to the Big Twelve, I know there's some uncertainty of it. There's been a little talk that. Hey, maybe this is the last trip for Boise State to Provo. I mean, in 2023, if BYU joins the Big 12, who knows what games they're going to choose to keep. And so um, there's a lot of talk about this maybe, you know, possibly being the last trip to Provo for a while. And I think that's, uh, you know, certainly something that Boise State fans would like to see the series continue if it could. B.J. Reigns, he needs his own walk-up music. He's been on the show so much. He covers the Broncos for the Idaho Press Tribune. Thanks for joining us again this morning. Always a pleasure, guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs> I think he's went one welcome to the jungle. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
Some walk-off music right there. All right, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, coming up in 15 minutes. Coming up next, PK, for a lot of our listeners, doesn't matter if you're 20, doesn't matter if you're 30, doesn't matter if you're 40. I guess we could play this out. doesn't matter if you're 80. (laughs) Well, if you don't do this, touchstone. If you don't do this in the coming weeks, you're not a real man. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's back-to-back Mountain West Conference opponents for the Cougars as they welcome in Boise State to LaBelle Edwards Stadium for a showdown against the Broncos. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Friday presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. You say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. A little Bond music there to bring us back from break. Here it comes. The franchise continues. Number 25. It's a lot of Bond movies. No, it's not enough Bond movies. Yeah, don't worry. There'll be more. That franchise is still cranking out a lot of money. A lot of people are going to draw a lot of money. The only complaint is the second most sexiest guy on the planet, Daniel Craig, is not doing Bond movies anymore. Gonna hang it up. Now he's the number two sexiest. Number one? <laughs> you know. No, I don't. PK, and take it off, baby. Stop with that giggle. Thank you, Rachel. Creepy. I look hot in leather. What can I say? And you gotta admire a guy, who can, a guy who can have a conversation with himself on the radio using his drops. I mean, way to go. I'm not pushing any drops. I don't know how to use the board. That's a true story, actually. I only know what Rachel wants. And believe me, Rachel's <laughs> Magic many. You just made up her name. You don't know her name. <laughs> sure, whatever you think, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Yak. You're on your game. If you're a man and you don't go see Daniel Craig and James Bond, don't ever talk to me again. Well, some people won't go see it. Some people just order it. Okay, know, a lot well, of stuff goes to the theater. That's fine. Same thing. Stream it, baby. Same thing. I, I, maybe Gotta go see your Bond isn't movies. Right, grow isn't the right word. Gotta see your Bond movies. My wife wants to go. Yeah. She wants the movie experience. Theater. Popcorn. Yeah. Marquee. Yeah, the whole yeah, get, you get, get it. Hey, previews. Well, the, the show starts at 245. You got to leave at whenever. You got to be there for the previews. I'm not a big preview guy. I know you are, but I bet she is. No, because she's got to figure out when to get the popcorn. Because you don't want to get it too soon. Because I have a rule, and the rule makes are complete sense. Are we going sense. back through this you again? don't eat the popcorn to the first spoken word of the movie. <laughs> So you can't get there and have the popcorn and then watch all the previews because then the popcorn isn't as fresh and warm. So it's got to wait. So she's got to time it. So she'll we'll go in, sit down. You know, if it's winter, whatever, might take off your big jacket, get set, so you're ready to go. 
and you get some of these ones where you can recline them, depending. So mm-hmm. you do all that, and then you find, you scope out, and, and then she'll figure out when to go get it. So she'll come back just as the opening credits are rolling, and then sit there, uh, and then, you know, hand me my drink, and then I usually take the bucket of popcorn from her that allows her to sit down without spilling it, and then we wait for the first spoken word, and then we eat. <laughs> what? The only thing that's missing in there is saying grace. <laughs> Other than that, you have quite well, the routine. Well, we said earlier in the day, it's, and that covers you for the whole it's day. It's almost Sunday dinner. <laughs> Not quite. You say it There's earlier. There's enough rules. Say and the fork goes here, and Aunt Matilda has to sit there. We're grateful and- for the food we eat today. Boom, you're covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then you're good to go. And you do that. So that's the deal. So you got to time it perfectly. Bond movies, what are they going to do that's new? I mean, you want some of the familiar stuff. I don't care what it is. There Just needs to be an explosion. Stuff. Chases. A car chase, absolutely. Death-defying escapes. Yeah. Cool gas. You Motorcycles. Can, you can replace Babes. the car chase with the ski chase. If you combine the car, ska- the car chase and the ski chase, you got one of the classics. Do you like your babes? <laughs> Bond girls. Do you like your babes? Of course. There's Do you a, like your babes? Who's the Bond girl? Sniggy. Who's the Bond girl in this one? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> sex sells, you PK. You don't care. I don't what care. Sex sells, PK. I want Wait Daniel Craig. Now I'm doing a show with my drops. I want Daniel Craig doing what he does. Those, they're just fill in the blank, babe. I mean, sometimes, I but then sometimes they break out. Either way, yeah. I'm, I don't go there to look at the women. That's not the point. Car chase. Yeah, I go there for action. I don't want. Are they going to do something crazy? Rom-coms to me don't work. Are they going to do something crazy with the drone and the run up the uh, the ladder? Because that was that was outrageous. That was sure. Like Bond. Whatever. That was breaking new ground there. Push the envelope. Give me Daniel Craig. Give me Tom Cruise. In Mission Impossible. Yes, I am in. Hold on to the top of the car, heading into that tunnel. And you said next week the weather's going to stink. And yeah. so I looked it up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see it by Wednesday of next week. I will have seen this. Yeah, it won't movie. be a won't be a golf day. Might as well be a. Movie That's what day. I'm talking about. Yeah, no golf day then. And I can't tell you day. the last movie I saw, but I'm going to see this, yeah. and I'm going to have one heck of a time with that warm popcorn. With warm popcorn, right? yes. And then if it's stale, then she'll take it back, empty it out because they give you a free one. And if it's good, then you take home the carton, and then you have it available for the next time. So you get a two-for-one. Closest thing to Bond without being Bond? Mission Impossible. Jason Bourne movies. Close to the Mission Impossible. I would go Mission Impossible. Really? Yeah. Jason Bourne movies. Because I don't really want to follow the plot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested. The plot's almost irrelevant to me. I don't care about the plot. Because I can't find it. I follow it anyway. Oh, man. I want things that are on fire and blown up and whatnot and chases. Yeah. And if you're if you're a man, right now all men are nodding. Yep. PK's right again. DJ and PK coming up next. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Two exhibition games down, two to go. We'll talk with him next about what he's learned watching these first two games. Stay with us. 
DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later, prom- pay later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. David, good morning. Well, hello, DJ. How are you? Good. You know your weekly interview is brought to us by the folks at Murdoch and the Murdoch Auto team, right? I do. And do you know what the incredible things the Murdochs are doing is that they're not increasing MSRP despite car shortage because Blake Murdoch told me he didn't want to walk into a grocery store or go to church and see somebody gouged on pricing. Well, then don't go to a grocery store or go to church and you got it covered. That's right. Pretty (laughs) impressive. Got to like like loyal Utah people. He just blew right through you right there, PK, but I got it. <laughs> Thank you. So, David, two games down, two to go here in the preseason. Clearly the Jazz are resting most of the starters, many of the key guys we've come to see in the rotation, or in the case of Rudy Gay, expect to be in the rotation. Uh, you've seen a little bit of those guys, but it really does seem like they're playing guys to find out who should be in the rotation inevitably when Mike Conley doesn't play back-to-back, the 15 to 20, 25 games we know he won't play in. Inevitably, someone else will get hurt, and they got enough guys who can slide around and play multiple positions. they got some flexibility trying to figure out, okay, who goes into the rotation? Many of us think we know the answer, but maybe you have the same answer, or maybe you have a different answer. What do you think? What's your answer? Butler. <laughs> um... He goes in wire in the rotation. Well, I mean, it depends on who's missing and who else they've got. You know, do they go down? Uh, they, they've got three guys who initiate the offense and do it at a pretty high level. If they're missing one of them, I think he goes in. If they're missing two of them, there's an argument for Forrest going in. Why is that? It depends. Explain that to me. He's got more experience running the offense, and they think he'll do it more consistently under pressure at a higher level. Butler's newer to the game, and they don't want to throw that on him right away. Or maybe um, they do, which is why I asked you, and you won't answer the question. You're trying to interview yeah, me. Yeah, what do you think? Well, so, I mean, Butler and Forrester are both have been playing really well and are and I think are really interesting, but they're completely divergent in skill sets. So if you take Forrest offensively, you can get kind of where he needs to on the dribble with power and strength, particularly using his hip and his – in his shoulder strength, he's not a good outside shooter. He sees the floor, passes well, and is seeming to be a pretty good defensive player. Uh, Butler gets to where he wants to with craftiness on an open floor, spaced floor that might be really advantageous to him in the NBA over college. He um, is a really good shooter, it seems, and better have a really good defensive big behind him from what I'm seeing defensively right now. Um, so they're very different in what they do. So there could be an argument that depending on the matchup, but I think if there's multiple ball handlers on the floor, Butler's ability to shoot is advantageous because if you know Mike Conley or Joe Ingles is going to have the ball in their hands and you space Trent Forrest, that's not great. Um, but if you space Butler, they probably have to react or at least he can take advantage of it. Um, I, I think there's... I think there's an interesting question of, like, who's taking the George Niang role until Rudy Gay comes back. To me, that's the most interesting one right now. Is it Eric Paschal, 
is it Joe Ingles with Jared, them going small and Ingles slides down and Jared Butler plays those minutes? Is it Elijah Hughes gets some minutes and Joe Ingles slides down? Is it Mioni gets some minutes and Joe Ingles slides down? Is it Trent Forrest and Joe Ingles slides down? I think that's Pascal is the is the seemingly most intuitive, logical, but you know he's a thirty percent career three point shooter, and that particularly that second unit was so great last year because it took fifty three percent of its shots as threes, and it just came up and played fast and bombed and let it rip. And well, what happened? You know, is that something that you can actually still do if you don't have four three pointers, three point shooters on the floor? Or do you have to have a good fourth three-point shooter on the floor? Do some of these guys, Butler included, can do they have to be on the floor only when certain other guys are on the floor, or is it interchangeable? Well, you know, if we're just talking about Butler and Forrest like we did a moment ago, yeah. Forrest is much more productive if he has the ball in his hands. That's what we saw when Mike Conley was out and what we saw in Summer League because he's not a floor spacer, whereas Butler from – you know, no different than most, but he's not very big. And I haven't seen him. I haven't seen, I think he was all big 12 defense, but I, I have, you know, that's about as irrelevant a sentence when it comes to coming to the NBA as there is. And I haven't seen, you know, it takes real time. I haven't seen him yet be able to grasp the NBA defensively. So I'm going to assume that he better be on the floor with a pretty good defensive big. Like from what I've seen out of Butler, you're not going small spreading the floor and saying, Hey, you know, guard your yard yet. I don't I don't think he can do that yet. So I am assuming that most of the guys who aren't playing aren't playing by choice of proven commodities. Quinn pointed out a couple of the guys are winning Olympic medals over the summer. So so rest guys, but Bogey's got a shoulder. How much should people worry about that and how much is it well it's preseason so he's gotta mess with it, but he'll be out there night one. Yeah, I mean talking to Bogey he seemed unfazed by it. So isn't that great that I can actually say that? Um, last week, last year, if you'd asked me that question, I was like, I don't know. Um, talking to Bogey, he seemed, he seemed unfazed, um, and, and not bothered. And it's not as though it's like hurting him so much. He's not running or not doing, I mean, he's, he's actively involved until there's contact. So I think, you know, if he was not shooting or not running or, you know, something of that sort, I, I think there'd be some concern, but I, I haven't seen, didn't see anything of that sort. Um, you know, our top seven guys are our top seven guys again. Our eighth guy is not available. And our ninth guy is playing the most limited role he's ever played in his in his career and probably in Hassan Whiteside and it doesn't and may not actually be relevant for him to play and, and to do that until he actually takes that role and figures it out. So preseason, a three week preseason, which almost has three little stints to it, it's not like the fact that we basically I, I feel like they start training camp today. We took yesterday off. Like training camp starts today. You've got ten days till your opener. You go for two or three days. You play a game. You might play your guys in both of them. I would suspect to some extent. You get them used to at least their eight, nine, ten minutes on the floor. If you've noticed, like the rotation so far, all the guys have played their normal runs. They're not. They're not playing the third and fourth quarter, but they're playing their normal streak of time when they're on the floor. So I would suspect that, you know. Like Don, I think, asked to play that third quarter the other night when he had had a bad shooting night in San Antonio just to come out and make some shots. I would suspect we probably see most of these guys play their first half minutes and maybe their opening stint to the third quarter at some point here, and you just start getting ready. 
and then you probably, you know, what? What's, I mean, I don't want to build Quinn Schneider's coaching schedule for him, but today's Friday. You practice Friday, Saturday. You probably take Sunday off. You get play a game Monday. You probably watch film Tuesday, play a game Wednesday, and then you take Thursday off, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you get ready, and then you're ready, and then we go, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you actually have till Wednesday the next week, so you probably go Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday off, Monday, Tuesday, and I think we play Wednesday. Like, it's plenty of time. Like, like there's just not a lot to tell these guys at this point. So you think the rotation is set and none of these young guys can break into it? So I think the young guys can break into it in one of two manners. While Rudy Gay is out, who's playing what was, you know, that's the George Niang role. So who's playing the George Niang minutes when Rudy Gay's out for whatever it is? Is it, you know, let's just say it's, I don't have any idea, but I don't know when he had surgery. So I, I literally have no idea. Um, so what, what's, what's that run? Like, you know, is that Eric Pascal's the not the obvious you could go to Elijah Hughes. You could go to Jared Butler and go small. You could go to Trent Forrest and go defensive. Um, but that's with Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, blank and Rudy Gobert. So who's your fourth in that? The other one is there's about three or four games in the span before Rudy, go, Rudy Gay comes back where Mike Conley's going to miss. So certainly those are either Jared Butler or Trent Forrest getting some of those minutes. But the way we do that is that Joe starts, and then we don't play the same rotation. Joe runs out for a pretty good distance on that and then circles back in a different way than he does otherwise, and your lineups are a little different. But is that then let's say Jared Butler or Trent Forrest is one of them then is the other Eric Pascal, Elijah Hughes, or Mioni? So those guys are all have an opportunity to battle for minutes um, in in those little stretches. Um, but once we're rolling, our nine is Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. What kind of if you're impact? playing a tenth? If you're playing a tenth guy, it's for four minutes at the most a half to make Mike Conley's minutes go from 31 to 28 and Joe Ingles from 30 to 27, you know, so maybe they sneak in a, you know, maybe at the most those guys get five, six minutes and a half and they play 12 minutes. That would be a lot for a 10th guy. It just aren't that many minutes to go around and our guys are good. Like, you know, you're like, it's great. We got to play a 10th guy, but you're playing then every, every minute you play your 10th guy he's playing instead of someone who's better than him. So you've got the uh, end of the roster. They want to make sure that they keep the right guys, let the right guys go. Is there any debate there? Because you always hate to be on the wrong end of the Joe Ingles career arc. Yeah, I mean, we have a two-way position that's open. Um, and if I, 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 I hesitate here because I need to make sure I have it correctly, but I, if I understand two-way, it's different this year. It's 80 games between the two of them. So Trent Forrest, I believe, is one of our two-ways, and he'll probably spend a lot of those 80 games – in the NBA this year, and then your other guy can use this whatever the other. Now, what gets interesting is let's say you use Trent Forrest for 30 games, and he plays well enough that he earns himself a roster spot, and you bump him up. Well, then you still have 50 games left, and you have a new guy. You'll never run out. So I think actually running out of your 80 games is unlikely, particularly because then you can just ro- you know you roster move him. Um, so we have an open two-way spot. Right now, that kid Malik fits, who, you know, from on the measurements is 6'8", 220. He's certainly big. I'm not sure he's 6'8". 
Um, looked really nice. He made four out of five threes. I'm pretty certain he's not an 80% three-point shooter, but at St. Mary's, he did make 40% of his shots, and he's a COVID draft, um, which I think is important. Those guys, I think, got lost in the mix, so he goes undrafted in the COVID draft, and there's no summer league for him to show. There's no training camp for him to show. And he goes to the Aqua Caliente Clippers and I think played almost no G League in the bubble. And so, no, you know, he, he had a lost year last year, but more importantly, a lost year where any scouts get to see him. Not surprising, he went undrafted. He's 23 years old out of, you know, playing three years in college in, a, in the WCC. Like, that's not surprising that that's an undrafted prospect. So, but what, you know, those are the type of guys who actually make rosters. It's just we have no idea because last year was so brutal. I mean, I think Elijah Hughes, like I think Elijah Hughes is a rookie too. Like I think we have to think about Elijah Hughes and Jared Butler kind of the same way. One's the 39th pick, the other's the 40th. And, you know, Elijah Hughes didn't get a game in the bubble last year. He got no workouts. He got no training camp. He got no summer league. And then they didn't practice last year because the COVID protocols were so brutal. So the extent of his basketball last year was like three on threes against, you know, with two other G League guys against a G League guy and a coach or two, right? Like, I mean, just didn't, it's not like he's, and he's coming out of Syracuse where they play zone and he played solely isolation. I thought his opening stint against San Antonio where he doesn't take a shot was one of the best things I've ever seen out of him. Last year, every time he touched the ball, he jacked it up because that's what he did at Syracuse and hadn't had time to adapt yet. It's not his fault. And so I thought we saw a really different player in the opening two games out of Elijah Hughes. I know everyone's, you know, in love with our most recent draft pick, but I really think Elijah Hughes is basically playing his rookie year right now also, and we need to let him develop. So you don't need to thank me for it, but I'm telling you something that you absolutely have to use. When Gobert makes one of his patented, stunning defensive plays, I want you to shout, Tootie Fruity, oh, Rudy! Have you been watching too many jazz commercials? <laughs> I have not. Why? Has it already been out there? No, they put together a commercial, which was really stunningly too similar to my real life and really, really well done. Um, was it 2D40 Rudy? With me practicing really bad lines. Um, and, like, it's me in some, like, cave that they they made really, really messy to try to look like I was crazy. And then I came home to my office and was like, wow, this looks exactly the same. You are. So, what, crazy? Yeah. I am not. I am what Rob mm-hmm. Thomas says. The Matchbox 20 guy? Uh-huh, yeah. What'd he say? I'm not crazy. I'm You're just smooth? a little bit unwell. Oh. <laughs> because they're so smooth. Oh, okay. But you can use that. Tutti Fruity, oh, Rudy. And you can use a Rudy Gay, too, because we got two Rudys this year. Yeah, and they're going to play on the floor together a lot, which is great. Super. I'm pretty excited about that. Tutti Fruities, Tutti's Fruities, oh, Rudy's? DJ. <laughs> nope. What's your, what's your next segment? Because I think it's time for it to start. David Locke joins us every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. Brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Thank you, David. See ya. When we come back, as David well knows, it's a segment where you catch you up to date on everything that you missed in today's show. Turnover margin. BYU-Boise State, 
Very intriguing. B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press-Tribune, had two major problems for Boise State in the game tomorrow in Provo. We will get to those as well. You and Cougar fans, both voting online on Twitter. David DJ James, who you got Saturday. We'll get to that. All of that next. Everything you missed, including baseball playoff history. It's all next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 2-2. And Alvarez hits it in the air pretty well and pretty deep to right center field. Robert is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later! Into the Astros bullpen for Alvarez. And the Astros lead is 6 to nothing. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. This one is way out of here. Randy Rosarena with his first of 2021. And it's 4-0 Rays here on the fifth. Taylor leans all the way in, making a 90-degree angle. Rosarena heads for home. The throw, he has stolen home. And it's 5-0 Rays. Rays open the playoffs with a win over the Red Sox. Five zip. Randy Rosarena stealing the show with a massive home run in the fifth inning. And then he steals home in the seventh inning. I, I mean, I can relate. I, 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 there's nobody who's listening to us has actually stolen home in a varsity game, no less. <laughs> American League Division Series. Varsity. Varsity game. Practically the same. A league thing. game, too, was not non conference. Yeah, that's important to know. <laughs> You're jealous. A little bit. I'd love to steal home. Home is an exciting play. Yes. That's more exciting than another tape measure home run. I've seen a lot of those, and it doesn't mean I didn't gawk when I saw that ball disappearing into the upper reaches. I mean, he didn't hit it so high that he hit the catwalk. That was earlier in the game. Well, after <laughs> I stole home, I felt like I was on the catwalk. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the catwalk, on the catwalk. I'm too sexy for this radio show. On the catwalk. What? Wow, <laughs> some serious free association right there. Right, said Fred. Look it up. On the catwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that again. <laughs> no, no, say it often. That was awesome. Wait a minute. Now I'm doing PK lines. You're using my no, lines. That was, was, that was that was great. You nailed that on that catwalk. <laughs> okay. I was lucky. It's raining like a mother outside. Yep. We heard it was going to happen, and now it is. I'm looking forward to this crummy weather. Why? Because you're going to a bond movie. Because I'm trying to have James a good bond. attitude. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Eating my warm popcorn at the start of the first Audible. Well, we'll get to that coming up in feedback. That that got more. <laughs> there's more reaction to popcorn than there is to BYU and Utah, who are only playing Boise State and USC. It's not like we don't have a couple of quality games with quality opponents. The king of Idaho and the king of Southern you California. And your, you and your popcorn rules. <laughs> and it's worked. It makes sense. You don't want to have the popcorn not, eaten before not now. previews. Not, not now. 
to catch the people up on everything, Mr. Joe. You had an important point to make about turnovers, and the numbers are out there. BYU with 11 takeaways this year. They've only lost the ball twice. They are plus nine. They are tied and once for, they didn't even lose it. Tied for sixth in turnover margin in the entire country. Algier turned it right around. Right. They had the turnover on the pick. How about that? Ran your down best offensive player causes a turnover. Who could say that? Your best offensive player makes the signature defensive play of the year. That's a big-time play. A big if time I see play. that happen, I would think I'm watching third graders at recess. The only thing <laughs> that, that bothers was... me about that play is that people say BYU needed it to win the game. Well, it was early enough in the game. I can't prove that. But it but, was but a But it big... takes away from the dominant effort that it they had. It was a big That's play. My... It was a great play. Big play. It was play. a big play in the momentum of that no game. No question. Now, every college no football question. game... And every coach will tell you this, there will be multiple momentum turns. Even if you beat a team 35-17, there'll be a point in the game where you feel like you don't have the momentum and you're on your heels. You but I think it, it discredits BYU's defense and BYU's offense by saying they needed that play. So I tease this. B.J. Reigns came on, and he left us with major doubts about Boise State's offensive line and Boise State's defensive line. And I'm not sure which one he has a bigger doubt Cougars about. Cougars are winning. I'm going to Vegas. That's it. <laughs> Good call on your part. Yeah. Just to see the Raiders and Lincoln Kennedy. No, five thou <laughs> on the Cougars. And I'm talking to BYU guys, and they're telling me if we hold on the ball, which they have done literally as well as you can do, they will win. They believe they will win the game. They're very, very confident. Plus nine in turnover margin. As always, when you look at the teams that are in the top 10, you look at teams that are having good years. Number one team in the country in turnover margin, Iowa. I was playing Penn State this week. Number three versus number four. Is it heaven? No, it's <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Oregon is number two. They got one loss. Cincinnati is number nine. Undefeated in the top ten. Oregon State having a breakout year. Four and one. They are tenth. I mean, look at the turnover margin. It's why Kyle has lectured us on this over and over and over. And it's right once again. The top ten teams in the country are having great seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and be- Algier. Give it to him, and he's likely handing it to the referee after scoring. <laughs> That's when he gives the ball up. Yeah. Well, this is also the kid that led BYU in tackles against Boise State in 2019 and then goes out and has that big game last year running back. So assuming Conover is the guy, and if Jaron Hall is healthy, then he's the guy, but assuming Conover is the guy, Hall already has the don't turn it over thing down. He's already been out there protecting the ball. But he's for, the only guy who made the turnovers. For a third-string quarterback, hey. you just have to make sure, hey, do your thing. Yeah. Don't try to make a bunch of big, crazy plays. And that's what it's looking like, but they right. haven't given up on Hall yet. And right. Anybody who and says otherwise, I can guarantee you they're wrong. They would love to play Hall. Who wouldn't want to get uh, their starting quarterback back? Uh, we get that. And they don't have to make they're a They're going to decide today. Right. I mean, and that's only if they affects. want to. If they want to kick the can down the road, they can. If they want to decide today, they can. And then see what he's, you know, what's, what's right. tomorrow brings. But Algier, he's the best two-way player since Shohei Otani. Right back to baseball, your go-to. In fact, I'm calling from here on out, Algier, I'm calling him Babe. Because Shohei was the best two-way since Babe Ruth. So, there you go. Tyler, he's now the Babe. Tyler, Babe, Algier. The Babe. When I say the Babe going forward, I'm speaking about Tyler Algier. If the student section sings Babe, I got you to Tyler Algier after his third touchdown, it's your greatest win ever. Babe, I got you. You mean I got you, babe? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, they may have to mix it up. 
Babe. Babe, I got, I got you. Babe. They say I love won't pay the rent. Babe, I got you. It doesn't really roll. Babe, <laughs> I got you, babe. That was the part I was going to. Okay, I'll give you that. Nice, nice save. It's a sandwich. <laughs> oh, brother. So, in addition to that, all the things we discussed this morning. There have been a lot of discussion this BYU. morning. BYU. Turnover margin. Why don't you have hope? Shouldn't have a lot of confidence and hope these are big games. These are brand name opponents. But man, these teams, they are not as good as the rep that got them this brand name. No. Uh, but for, two S- USC. For, for, for BYU, or excuse me, for Utah, though, they may not be as good as the sure. rep that got them the brand name. True story. Plenty of question marks. And they got a pretty good brand name. USC coming in at three and two. Boise State coming in at two and three. It's an elimination game for USC. They've used all their mulligans in conference play. They can't be taking high probability. A, they can't be taking a third South Conference loss against a team that they could well need the tiebreaker against. Oh, in the second week in November, no, or October, right. no less. You still got the Bruins. You still got the Devils. Yeah. They got to win this. Yeah. Right. But yeah. will they? <laughs> they lost man. back-to-back home games. You can say, it's the Coliseum. Except they lost the last time they played there. They lost the last two times they played there. You no, know, I'd imagine it's not going to be exactly uh, 70,000, 80,000 there. I'd be surprised if they got 50. Like most places, L.A.'s a front-running town. Big time. Yeah. What time the Dodgers play Saturday? Some USC fans are rooting for Playing the Dodgers. Playing San Francisco, but I right, get but your point. Home watching the game on TV. Yeah. Especially if the weather is less than ideal. I think it's going to be fun. Never rains in Southern California. Sing it. <laughs> October rain, no less, is very weird. True story. Yeah. We got some people who aren't confident. David says, can they stop Boise State's passing? I hope so. Bachmeyer can be uh, an equalizer in this he, game. He's good. He can fling it. Get a little loose. Uh, but they put 31 points up a couple of times and lost the game. And one thing to keep an eye on is third quarters have been miserable for Boise State. I don't Boise get that. State. That doesn't make any sense In their three me. losses, they've scored three points in the third quarter. The offense has literally gotten, gotten nothing done. I've got nothing to explain that. Bad second-half team. Horrible but, but It team. makes no sense. I know. And yet, it's happened. And it's happened again and again. Well, you can't go again and again and again and again because it's only happened three times. Right. So that's you can go again and again and again, and but that's you can't why go again, 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 again and again. But if it happens a fourth time, Cougar fan will be quite pleased. Sure, and then we won't worry about Boise until next year. Right. Then the Cougars will be halfway through it. I know, man. This six is the halfway point of the season. Six down, Jeez. six to go. Wow, they go 6-0. and oh, That would just be incredible. Move up in the ranking, maybe. You never know, because at this point, you have to have teams ahead of you lose. Yeah, when you're lower, you know somebody's going to fall. Right, there's enough spaces. But at 10, I don't know. Three plays four, so I guess there's one top 10 left. Uh, yeah, but, but if it's, it's a, a close game, they won't, they they won't drop anywhere. Very far. No, yeah. nor should they. There are a ton of games, college football, big game tonight. Stanford at Arizona State, 8.30 on ESPN. Big game for the South, and not quite as big for the North, but still big. Yeah. 
Oregon wouldn't mind seeing Stanford lose now that they don't have the tiebreaker. Oh, for sure, yeah. But obviously, USC, UCLA, Utah, all eyes on ASU. Oh, yeah, definitely. What's, yeah, because they got nothing else on? to do tonight. And uh, no matter home or away, you're going to be sitting in a hotel. Yeah. Because they always put the home team in a hotel the night before the game. So everybody's going to be sitting in by 8.30 our time. Maybe 7.30 you might have some meetings, but... Uh, most of the you're going to be watching. Most of the kids in the conference will be watching that game tonight. Yeah, no question. Then tomorrow, more big games. Oklahoma, Texas in the morning, 10 a.m. Big game in the Big 12. Not the two teams that are going to be around the Big 12 all that much longer, but nonetheless, that's a classic rivalry game. It is. Yeah, no question. Yeah, especially when they play it. You can count on it. It's the second Saturday in October always, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And always 10 a.m. I like it. In Dallas, halfway between the two Tradition campuses. works, especially in college football. Tradition works. Light schedule for both the Big 12, for you uh, BYU fans are starting to make the mental adjustment, and for the Pac-12. Both leagues have four teams off on buys. We've got Stanford and ASU tonight. we got UCLA and Arizona. Pac-12 after dark tomorrow night, 8.30 on ESPN. Assume UCLA will run right through Arizona. Bruins... Facing an 0-4 Wildcat team. Oregon State, Washington State's on the Pac-12 network at 2 o'clock. That's intriguing. Can Oregon State keep it going? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, for me, now that Corner Canyon has lost its winning streak, I now focus on Arizona continuing its losing streak. Small transition, <laughs> but an enjoyable one for you. They sit at 15 in a row? Oh, let's see. They lost 7, then 5, then 4. So 16 in a row. It's climbing. Yeah, let's get to 30. BYU's got Baylor coming up. Baylor is hosting West Virginia, 2-3. and three. West Virginia is at Baylor, 10 a.m. on FS1. So Baylor's coming off there. a loss, so they got to get it going before they host the Cougars. And they had, a, uh, they had three gimmies, so I really look at them as one and one. They, didn't, they did not test themselves with Texas State, Texas Southern, and the conference opener at Kansas. We all knew Baylor was going to be 3-0 and out of the gate. Okay, Beat gotcha, Iowa yeah. State, that was a good win. That's a good win. They got Iowa State, and then they lost Oklahoma State. Yeah. Both, uh, both competitive. TCU and Texas Tech is the other Big 12 game. NFL this weekend already had the Rams picking up the win over Seattle. Russell Wilson appeared to dislocate the middle finger on his throwing hand. They're saying it's badly sprained. Yeah, really, really badly. Didn't look like it was so bleeding from what I saw. Those, update that's on good. that. They're claiming that he has what they're calling a mallet finger, where the joint is so severely sprained that it cannot move, essentially. So they can't straighten it out? That's forever? not a dislocated that can be popped back in place? That's the way I read what Many of us came have, out this morning. So is he out next that. week? He's got some more, more time to recoup, obviously. I would, yeah, I would assume that. They probably don't want to announce that at this point. Yeah. No, they don't have to, but the NFL requires them They'll, to in yeah, time. Next week, we'll next get to week, the yeah. going about injury week, report. Yes. Yeah. Big games, some 3-1 and one teams squaring off in the NFL this weekend. If you want to check out some of those games. A couple of those, that uh, the Packers and the Bengals. Packers have won three in a row after losing that opener. I'm going Cards and Niners. Yeah? 4-0 and oh versus 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, and it's a division game. You like those division games. Afternoon game on Fox. 
I grew up on NFC East football division games. All Philly huge. Giants, Washington, and then the Cowboys. Yeah, they were always big. All huge. Browns are three and one. Chargers are three and one. Not teams that have been in the playoffs a lot lately, but they look like they got it going now. They both got young quarterbacks that look really good. Justin Herbert's Hall of Famer. Now, who gets the win and gets to four and one? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge game too. I agree. And primetime Sunday night, the Chiefs' defense has had problems, and the Buffalo Bills know how to score it. So get ready for a high-scoring game Sunday night, Bills and Chiefs. I hope so. I like high-scoring games. A lot of football coming this weekend. Tonight, you got the Pac-12 football, and you got the Dodgers and Giants at 7.30. Anything else you'd like to catch the people up on? I think we got it, man. I'm ready to go. When we come back, I have to go. Your feedback. A lot of football and uh, PK's popcorn theory. We'll get to that. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This week's Raider game against the Bears is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Question of the day. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? And Eric tweets at us, because Aggie football is playing Alabama. Well, that'd do it. If you're a Texas A&M fan, you probably got a little doubt. Oh, I thought he meant Utah State. No. Texas A&M, Alabama. Prime time Saturday night. Mm. Okay, but Aggies just be an Alabama fan then. <laughs> so, oh, okay. You're good to go. Skull and Trombones says, well, I'm not confident because I know for sure they're not going to win this week. It's a bye week. <laughs> so funny. Utah State fans will get back at it. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? Roger says, I am confident. BYU by 14. Cougars 34, Broncos 20. Okay. That's what I like to hear. Gabe says, well, how about BYU wins if any of the top four quarterbacks play? But if it gets deeper than that, they're in trouble. It's always close with Boise State. Yeah, you're, except last year. You're 15 quarterback. You're probably in trouble. MJU says, how come I'm not confident? Because my team isn't very good this year. It remains to be seen how good this Utah team is. Also remains to be seen how good they need to be, given how good everybody else in the division is. It's all relative. To a degree. I think you're still going to have to play well. I don't think these teams are that bad, that except for Arizona, Colorado, maybe, that you can go out and lay an egg and still win. Agree with that. Not on the teams that are left on their schedule, except those two. As far as you and your popcorn theory, no eating of the popcorn until the first word is spoken in yeah, the movie. Yeah, you want to enjoy it while you're watching the movie. It's like you go to a Super Bowl party, you want to be eating the food that isn't good for you during the game. John says, dude, my popcorn doesn't make it to the opening credits. Then why even buy the popcorn then? Just go down and, and buy it, walk in there, don't even go see a movie, turn around and go home. They go to popcorn goes together with the movie. That's why you're buying the popcorn for the movie. It makes no sense. You don't buy the popcorn for the previews. That people, you're not thinking this through. Think it through and you'll come along to my side, I promise you. 
Jack Dunbar says you can't get the popcorn at the right time unless you're in Nebraska where they grow the corn. Just grill it. It tastes great. (laughs) It's less filling. Sure, yeah, I got it. Grilled popcorn. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. Seems impossible, but hey. Maybe it means grill is corn on the cob. That's good. I've had that. That's that's tasty. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're about out of time. You got any locks for the weekend? Any guarantees? Yeah, Alabama. Good call. <laughs> A&M's going down. <laughs> even, even bigger lock than Georgia and uh, Auburn? I think so. Those two seem to be separating themselves from the rest of college football. There are no such things anymore if it doesn't involve Arizona and Colorado as a lock in the Pac-12. I am done saying this or that definitively with a result in the Pac-12. I'm just not doing it. It's too crazy, which is the very reason Utah has all sorts of hope. Not seeing those 15 and 18 point point spreads unless, uh, which is what Georgia and Alabama are, unless Arizona and Colorado are involved. Then the spreads get pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Oregon State three and a half over Wazoo. USC's two and a half points over Utah. Uh huh. UCLA sixteen points over Arizona. Now I should say, right. and this surprises right. me. What ASU is a thirteen point favorite over Stanford. So the other three games fall I in line with I the would theory. Agree with that, I think I would that's, be surprised by that. That's an outlier. If you told me ASU was favored by seven, I'm on board. This team has to improve, <clears throat> improve. Excuse me. This team has to prove that it doesn't self implode, like it did against BYU. And also, to your point, ASU plays a lot of close games. Now they did That's the way Herm coaches. They did pull away against UCLA, but I wouldn't expect that against Stanford. I mean, Stanford, I think, plays a decent number of close games themselves. I mean, everybody knows that BYU didn't win that game. ASU just beat themselves. Oh, well, why do you do that now? Speak from the heart. That would have been good two hours ago. 9.57 with Scott and Hands on deck. There's no time (laughs) to explore that. It's plenty of time, man. We're going nowhere for many years. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.